Morelia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Morelia Python Radio. It feels good to be back. Uh, having the <laughs> week off uh, last uh, Tuesday felt very strange, and, you know, we say it all the time, but if I'm not doing mm. the show on Tuesday night, something don't feel right. Um, and it took me a while to download the show. I couldn't download it, but uh, you guys did a good job with Chris, and uh, even David Means showed up, so that's always yeah. uh, exciting. And uh, speaking of David Means, he uh, had that pretty cool clutch uh, with Chris. I guess it was a week too soon that we have on the show. Yeah, um, I know, right? It's uh, <laughs> they 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 uh, they came back from North Carolina, and they had a clutch sitting there waiting for him. So there you go. Right. That's cool. So uh, tonight we have a guest that uh, has eluded us for six years. Um, and uh, finally, <laughs> uh, Rob was uh, able to hook up a uh, a show with Cameron from Bushmaster Reptiles. And uh, he's kind of the man when it comes to Indonesian reptiles, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Uh, do I got that right, Rob? Am, am I right to think that way? By the way, Rob Stone's here. Certainly, that's so. my take. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Certainly, that's my take, man. Um, okay. Yeah, this is weird. Two weeks in a row. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, <laughs> we it's good to bring you around every once in a while, and you leave us for a while, we forget about you, and then we bring you back again. So, yeah, we're getting our dosages of Rob Stone in. I know yeah. the, the real bummer is just for me in that I can't listen to the show. So that's you know <laughs> that, that's the real bummer out of the whole thing. It's just those put it this way. I mean, it's good news for you. This is really the time to get out your uh, quirks and all because you know these definitely will not be re-listened to to make an anniversary show. So that's the good news. You know, okay, so I'm, I should just say whatever talk. you want, man, because it's not right. it's not going to come for the anniversary show. I demand Rob be a permanent member of the show now, like uh, every episode. <laughs> Yeah, I never demand. thought I'd hear those words out of your mouth. I demand it. So. I feel like the uh, the uh, episode of Seinfeld where uh, George is moving in with the girl, and he's like, uh, she, he's like, yeah, I'm I'm into it, whatever. And it's about the two dudes hooking up with the girl. <laughs> That's how it is right now. Oh, it's like, Got oh, it. I didn't I didn't think you would be uh, into that. <laughs> he's like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> I probably didn't say that right, but <laughs> no, not at all. But let's move on. <laughs> all right. Jesus uh, I get the reference, and it's problematic, and yeah, all it's very things, problematic. Let's just go. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. Yeah, man. Uh. Yeah, I'm. I'm back. Carpet Fest is over. Vacation is over. I did some YouTube videos today. Uh. Yeah. I worked on the website. That like. So what happened with my website? Um. I forgot to message you guys this to let people know. So um. I think it's fixed, but uh, earlier when I talked to my uh, website hosting service today, they had it fixed. But now when I go to ebmorelia.com, it is not fixed. Uh, it's like under that eb, ebn.homestead-cloud.com or some right. shit like that. They're supposed to fix that. Uh, I'm waiting to, to see it. But what's cool is is that it's uh, a much sleeker design. Uh, there's like... Uh, new ways of doing it and when you're editing it you can edit it with uh the phone so it's like uh it looks right on the phone it's not like a you know like the same 
as what you would see on a desktop, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, when you accidentally delete your website, that's uh, that's a bad day. <laughs> that is a bad day. <laughs> it's a very very bad day. Um, <laughs> I had so much shit on that site, man. <sighs> my records and birthing records and all. Luckily, I had it backed up, but still to get well, it that all. That is good. I mean. Back on the site. I usually send people to your website when they ask me questions of like, "What's the difference between carpet pythons?" I'm like, go, 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 go talk to Eric. Like, go, go to his website. And <laughs> no wonder they stuff. all contact so me. <laughs> I know. I needed your website back up so that you know I can educate the public because I don't want to yeah. do it. So you know, right. it's, it's better now that you're back up. Yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's going on. Uh, season's officially over for me. Uh, the last clutch You're just done. popped out uh, the other day. Uh, I think the total is ninety eight babies. Wow. Yeah. So I started going through to try to pick oh, out the holdbacks today. Oh. <laughs> And you see that there's this huge stack, and you're like, wait a minute. This isn't supposed to be like this. <laughs> That's a lot of babies. 75 of them. Uh, no, oh, no, 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 he no, could. No, no, no. It's, uh, I think I have 13 that I was holding back. Jesus. I have like four. <laughs> so four? it's like maybe four. I don't know if I want four, but uh, <laughs> damn, man. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to have some babies to sell this year, which is, uh, yeah. which is exciting. So what about yeah. you guys? Season done or what? Uh, I have my, my season is not done till August. I don't have eggs. Uh, my last clutch will hatch in August. So, um, nice. yeah, right now, I think the next couple weeks I'm going to start getting, uh, my tiger head exana clutch, uh, a few other things are going to hatch out. Uh, all my corn snakes are going to pop out in the next couple of weeks. So I will be flooded, but, uh, so far I've only, I've produced about 30 babies, uh, from the three clutches that I have hatched. And it's like cow Kings, uh, two coastals. And then I'm not even counting the one jungle that came out of the jungle clutch. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'll get close to a hundred, I think, but, uh, we'll see. Okay, cool. Yeah. About you, Rob, how's your season shaping up? I know you're ball Python heavy, right? Hmm. Right. Fortunately, they just, uh, they just head right out the door to the buddy, a friend, a mutual friend with the dude who had, uh, put him on either apparently permanent hiatus at my place, uh, a handful of years ago. So I just patch them out. Oh, they look really pretty, and then take them over there. So, nice. so no worries on that. And then uh, that's probably a month and a half left of those things across the five clutches, and then three clutches of rhinos cooking, which should start maybe they'll start going in six or seven weeks, and then um, that Puerto Rican is probably a couple months out. So right around Kinley, hopefully, I'll, hopefully before then, I'll know for sure whether uh, I got good stuff, and that'd be great. Oh, nice. Um. That's something else. Uh, the one Dominican that hasn't eaten and has shown all the signs, she's due sometime in mid-July. So if you guys like audibly hear me screaming from Pennsylvania, it's because <laughs> that happened again. You're ordering and... geckos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'm calling you. And I'm like, I need some geckos. So yeah, that'll be how that goes. So. Cool. <clears throat> well, 
Uh, I, I don't know if uh, I think Rob that uh, we have a 303 on the line, so I think that's probably okay. it. Right? Sounds good. All right. So I'm going to click it on and we'll get this going. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Hey, Cameron, is that you? It is. Hey, welcome to Murray Python Radio. Glad to have you, man. No worries, man. You guys can hear me okay? Yep, perfect. You're fine. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. Well, all right, Cameron. Normally we uh, start the show with just a quick thing of what what got you into reptiles in the, from the beginning. So, I, you know, I was just I was just like a lot of typical, you know, boys and girls growing up. I was chasing snakes and lizards through the woods, and just was always fascinated with you know pretty much all animals <clears throat> in general. And um, growing up, my mom. You know, I'd bring home whatever animal I caught or found, and I was always allowed to keep it as long as I, I, you know, cared for it. And if I didn't, I had to turn it loose. And so, you know, I was always just, we lived in places where I could tromp around in the woods and bring salamanders home or lizards or garter snakes or whatever. And, and uh, I did. So, that, that you know, I was always fascinated by animals from an early age. Very cool. So did that just kind of carry through as you grew up and just kind of, got yeah. bigger and bigger yeah as, i mean as i yeah as i grew up i mean and got into high school and, and after high school i you know i started that was kind of at the early stages where a lot of people were really figuring out how to actually breed reptiles in captivity and on a regular basis and people were the hobby sort of was changing at that time and i was at that point i was a hobbyist and i, mm-hmm. I had really focused my my interest on snakes and, you know, was starting to keep a small collection of, um, of, you know, reptiles, but really mostly snakes. Um, and I dabbled in lizards and turtles and stuff, but really it, it became, you know, apparent to me that what I was really interested in was, um, snakes. And then, you know, became more focused ultimately in, in, you know, reptiles of West Texas and specifically, you know, gray banded king snakes. So, that was shortly after high school and, and probably my <clears throat> up through my twenties when I was um, taking trips every year to Texas and, you know, catching subox and gray bands and, you know, all the cool stuff that's down there. That is cool. Um, I mean, were you just kind of coming home with uh, a bunch of different gray bands or did you have specific ones that you were kind of looking for? Um, you know, when I first was going to Texas, I have to say that, you know, I was happy to catch whatever, you know, I wasn't really, um, I wasn't really, uh, you know, I, I mean, we all knew, you know, it was really special if you found a blonde subak, or it was really special if you found an alterna from the Christmas mountains. But, you know, I was happy to find, you know, um, and any of the stuff that was down there, but you know, what, what, what ultimately happened, uh, you know, I have a good friend down there named Joe Forks, and many people out there who are interested in gray banded king snakes would know who he is. And mm-hmm. and there was a group of us, myself, Joe Forks. We had another friend of ours, Jerry Salmon, who's still down there, and Steve Phillips, and a, another fellow named Doug Beckwith. And we all got really interested in Alterna to the point where we started talking about, geez, you know, this one Alterna that we got on River Road doesn't really look anything like the ones that are coming out of Langtree and Comstock. And and so we started this small group of us with the idea of um, actually breeding spe- locale-specific um, gray bands because 
clearly they were different looking from different areas, you know. And right. so um, we started we started this little uh, the group of us um, came out with this uh, name called Alternatives, which was the name of our you know, quote unquote, you know, <laughs> business group, you know, if you could call it that, but we all had our own private collections and, you know, one of us might be breeding, you know, river roads and Christmas mountains and the other might be doing laying trees and, and 277s and stuff like that. But we really started focusing on locality specific. And I think that was really the, that was really the beginning of people doing locality specific, um, animals in general or specifically gray bands. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes back to the, to the mid eighties, you know, when we started doing that. And so, um, yeah, it was a hobby for me, but it was fun and we had a great time and, and, you know, it was all the guys getting together down there and, and most, and most of those guys are still doing it. You know, I, I haven't been down to Texas for a couple of years now, but even though I don't really keep gray bands like I used to, I mean, I, I love going down there and snake hunting and hanging out with all the guys and, you know, talking, talking gray bands. That's awesome, um, and they're probably one of my favorite uh, king snakes out there. So that's really cool. Um, yeah. So what led you to kind of wind up choosing to work with a lot of animals from Indonesia? You know, it really kind of just um, evolved. I could, I couldn't, um, I never ever plan. I, honestly, I never planned to be a reptile importer. I, mm-hmm. I didn't think that that was something I was going to grow up to be. Um, ultimately, what happened is. You know, I was working, you know, I didn't go to college. It wasn't my gig. You know, I tried, but failed miserably. And after a semester, I figured, okay, this is not for me, you know, but I'm a worker. And so I worked. And I, really at, at the time, and for, you know, the probably first 10 years after high school, I just worked at a pet shop and kept a collection of snakes and was, you know, had a really nice library of uh, reptile books. Um, and so at some point, um, I started traveling overseas with a friend of mine, you know, but it was not for reptiles. We were just like, you know, where are we going to go? We went to Africa, we went to Tanzania and backpacked around there. And, and I came back and I was just like, you know, where are we going to go next? And we decided we were going to go to Asia. And <clears throat> so literally went off on a two month trip to Asia with about, you know, $1,500 and a backpack and, and, you know, I was still keeping reptiles and fascinated by reptiles. And so, you know, I'd always try to mix that in on my trips. And on this particular trip, I was um, in Malaysia and had been um, one of my my German friends, Klaus Dieterschultz, had said, oh, well, if you're going to be in Malaysia, you should look up this um, exporter and dealer there. And, you know, he might have some interesting stuff and tell you where to go poke around. And so I did, and he said, oh, well, if you're going on to Indonesia, there's another guy there, this fellow named Frank Uono. You should meet him. He's about your age, and he's really into reptiles too. And I had never, you know, never been to Malaysia, never been to Indonesia, and so called Frank from Indo- or from Malaysia and um, said, hey, you know, I'm coming to Indonesia in a couple of days, and, um, you know, I was told to give you a call. Maybe you'd be interested in talking about reptiles. And he, he was like, oh, sure, I'll pick you up from the airport. And, and uh, you know, we had no idea of doing business or anything like that. It was just somebody to meet in the country I was traveling to that was interested in reptiles. So I got to Indonesia, and, and uh, Frank picked me up from the airport. And he was, again, pretty much the same age as me. And uh, he was honestly really a hobbyist. Um, his family was a very, very, probably one of the biggest exporters 
of tropical fish um, from Indonesia. They were exporting tropical fish and corals and all kinds of stuff. But he he wasn't that interested in in tropical fish. He was really passionate about reptiles. And so he said to me on this particular trip, he said, you know, do you think if I if I sent you shipments of reptiles to the states that you you could sell them? And I didn't know anything at all about <laughs> importing live animals or reptiles or anything like that. But I was like, oh sure, oh I think I could I think I could probably sell them. And but I had no idea. I didn't have an import license. I didn't know anything at all what I was talking about. But I thought, okay, maybe I could. And you know, there were some other details that were mixed in there. You know, with with getting to the end result, but. Ultimately, I came back from Indonesia. Well, we had gone to the government offices. They had already started allowing export of reptiles out. There was other people that were getting small shipments of reptiles from Indonesia. So we knew we could get the permits, or, we, or he did, and he knew he could get the license. And so I came back from that trip, and he sent me a shipment of reptiles, and somehow, miraculously, I got it into the country because, uh, you know, it wouldn't be easy to do now <laughs> uh, the same way I did it then, but... I did, and, and, you know, I sold it easy, and I made, like, you know, like $1,000, and I'm like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to Indonesia. You know, all I really wanted to do was travel. I didn't really think I would make a living importing reptiles. I thought I would just make some money, and I'd go back and, and travel around. And so the first probably five years of, of importing um, from Indonesia, I spent probably half my time in Indonesia – going out to different islands, going all over the highlands of Irian Jaya, looking for bolans, looking, you know, uh, just looking for new species. And, you know, that was really what I thought I was going to do. I never really thought I would make a living at it until one day, you know, I realized that, okay, meanwhile, I'm selling everything as fast as I can bring it in and people are freaking out on the stuff I'm bringing in and zoos are calling me and people are asking for stuff. And so, you know, at some point I realized, you know, I think this is what I'm going to do, you know, and so that's kind of how it happened. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I never planned it for sure. So ultimately, you know, Frank and I I ended up traveling around Indonesia together and, um, and finding lots of undescribed um, stuff, you know, I mean, we, we, we ship back, um, you know, the first Sabu pythons. We ship back the Halmahera python. The Halmahera python, the Halmahera scrub, we we found on a trip where I actually had Dave Barker with me and Chad Brown, and right. they had come over to travel with me, and we we had never been to Halmahera before. And pretty much all those trips early on in my career were like to a new place. I always said, okay, we haven't been to these islands. Let's go there and see what's what's available, or you know what what we could find because. Pretty much in Indonesia, if you go to a new island, you're going to find something new. Right. And so <laughs> you know, we went to Halmahera, and, of course, we found the, the, you know, the, um, the, the Candoya from there, which had never come in the country before, the Scrubs, which had never been described, which ultimately Dave described um, and named after Tracy. We found the Uonawai, the Varanus Uonawai, which, you know, again, Dave and I forget the other author's name, but I brought the animals in donated them to Dave and, and he and, and his, his co-author described, you know, Varanus Uonawai. Nobody had seen that before. You know, we were finding all this new stuff. So wow. that's how I spent the first parts of the, probably the first five years of, 
of my business was um, going all over Indonesia and finding new and undescribed species. That's really awesome. Cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, Owen, are you still there or did yep. you drop out? I think you might have dropped down or something. <laughs> I don't hear him at so, all. Um, or he's muted. <laughs> yeah, I don't hear him at all. Okay. Um, so we're going to take over. In terms of, yeah. In terms of the, um, the home of Harris stuff, I know Chad was telling me that you guys had gone to a skinning station, right, and saw a really huge skin. I mean, something bigger than what I know you intentionally bring them in small, but something bigger than I've ever seen. You mean in Halmahera? Yeah. So when we went to Halmahera, um, we, we, you know, on the island and quickly got into a vehicle and drove almost eight hours straight north all the way up to the very tip of, of the northern part of Halmahera to a town called, I, I think the town's called Tabelo. And um, it wasn't a skinning station per se, but we had stayed up there. And at some point we were going around, of course you go to these, these towns and nobody, you know, there's not collectors set up there. Right. So you go around and you start talking right. to people, Hey, we're interested in reptiles. You know, what do you see? And so this one guy at a shop came out with a skin and he brought it out and held it up. And the skin was probably, I would guess it was probably about eight or nine feet long maybe a little bigger, oh, okay. but, but you have to understand that the, the skin itself will also stretch, right? So the snake was probably, right, sure. so maybe, maybe the skin was like 10 feet, you know, but the snake was probably eight feet. But we all, I mean, the three of us looked at it, and especially Dave, and we we're like, we've never seen that kind of a python before, but you could tell it was a python skin, right? We were like, man, we haven't seen sure. a python that looks like that. It kind of looked like a cross between a carpet and an amethystine. You know, we could tell by the, the pattern. And, um, so we started asking, hey, you know, <laughs> can anybody catch any of these? Is there anybody around that would do that? And the the way it, it kind of happens in most of these circumstances is we never got a live one while we were there. Um, mm -hmm. We okay. put the word out. We set up the infrastructure. Frank, of course, was with us and so was communicating with the locals. I At that point, I wasn't speaking Indonesian, and so he did most of of all that but by the time we had gotten back to jakarta the collectors had found one and we had gotten it back to jakarta and so dave was able to photograph it um before we even brought it into the u.s and so yeah so that was i, I don't you know i don't know if he's published it, those pictures anywhere or not but those very first pictures of the Halmer scrub that dave took was of the first animal we got and it was from seeing the skin up there of the animal um, and knowing that there was something different there. Wow. I, I'm, I'm curious, like, you know, a lot of people have speculated what it's like in Halmahera. What, what's the environment like that you found these guys? Were they in the trees? Were they like, what was it um, like? So I, I never personally collected one, so I can't okay. tell you myself. Um, but I would just tell you that, um, you know, it still has plenty of primary rainforest. I would suspect they're getting them from the primary rainforest. Um, okay. Although I, I, that that snake's probably pretty adaptable. But there's not as big a logging, at least when I was there. Now, Grant, I was there in 1995, I think, when we found this. So okay. that's quite a few years ago now. So things could have changed. But when we were there, it was plenty of primary rainforest. And that's where the Uonawai were coming from, the, the Varanus Uonawai. The first one, sure. we, we, we – 
the first one we saw of that, we were all three together with Frank um, on that trip. And this guy, we had stopped along the road and we're asking for reptiles and talking to people. This guy goes, oh, I have a lizard in my, in this, and I have a lizard in the trash can out back. And we're like, really? And, he, and he's like, yeah, come and look at it. I, I, I trapped it here last week or something. And we looked into this, we looked into this um, 55-gallon drum, and at the bottom of this drum was a Varanus Uronawai. Holy and we were God. like, wow. You know, and <laughs> we had never seen anything like that before. And um, so that was when we, that was, that was kind of how that went. And on that same trip, that first night when we were driving in the car after we got into the island, we were driving in this rainstorm and it was dark. It was at night. And there mm-hmm. was, it was a real stormy night. And there was all this brush and stuff on the road. And it was a crappy road anyways. And there was, all these straight sticks, or we thought they were straight sticks, just lying on the road. And at uh-huh. one point, we stopped to get out and take a piss, and we looked down, and these were all candoya. And they were crawling. They crawl. They crawl like straight as a stick. They don't. Wow. They don't wiggle around. They just kind of inch along. And so we were like, "Oh my God, these are all candoya." I mean, not you know, we probably found fifteen or sixteen of them that night, but it was wow. you know also a candoya that was not you know, had not been described before. That's awesome. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's, that is cool. Yeah, that's <clears throat> so to hop cool. back for a second in the same vein, um, how did the Condra thing start, especially then relative to the Alterna? Was it your exposure to the, you know, convention of locales for Alterna that led to the Condra thing? Yeah. I mean, so what happened with the green tree pythons is that when – Frank started, um, when I started importing reptiles, of course, people were like, oh, you know, you guys got to get um, some, can you get green tree pythons? Well, green tree pythons are the probably the most common snake where they're found. Um, okay. But they're also protected by the, the Indonesian government. They're nationally protected. Um, and it's not because they're uncommon or it's not because they're rare. It was just just something that Indonesia had done years ago. But um, we were allowed to, to breed, you know, or start a farm. Frank was allowed to start a breeding project and whatever he bred and produced, he could export. So this goes back to, again, till the early nineties and none of the other exporters in Indonesia had really set up any kind of a breeding farm at that point. And so Frank was like, you know, why? I think that's what I'd like to do. And so during our travels around, um, I was spending the good part of the beginning of my beginning travels in Indonesia was all throughout, um, you know, I was down in the Aru Islands. I was, uh, you know, out in the Bird's Head. I was, all, you know, in all the Biak and all the different islands of around, you know, what was then called Irian Jaya. Now it's called West Papua. But I started just noticing, you know, when they'd bring green tree pythons in, we wouldn't be able to buy them because we couldn't export them. So, I, but I would look at them. I was like, wow, that's cool, you know, and, and I, I very quickly started to see a, uh, you know, a very big difference between chondros that were coming from, um, you know, Aru and ones that came from Biak. I was like, okay, these look really different, you know. Right. And so sure. having, having worked with um, Alterna and doing the same locality-specific thing, when Frank and I started talking about building the breeding center, um, we talked about breeding locality-specific green tree pythons. You know, now at that point, 
people in the U.S. would have been happy to have any green tree python. They didn't. They wouldn't have cared right. where it was from, <laughs> what color it was, or any. You know, but right. we felt like it was super interesting that 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 they were so different from all these different localities. So, so when we first or Frank first started building the farms on getting animals from groups of animals from different localities. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we've stayed with that ever since. Now, ultimately Frank um, left, left the business and immigrated to Australia where he lives now. And his partner at the time continued on with the business who is my 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 partner and supplier now and Mm -hmm. he he took the he took the breeding facility to a whole other level and we brought in a lot of people know know this man but we brought in uh a couple of guys from russia that worked at the moscow zoo Vladimir Mm -hmm. odinchenko and another guy named sergey and we brought them in to do the breeding the captive breeding of the chondros and run the farm so when right. they came in at that point, we really ramped up um, the breeding facility and getting breeding stock. And we're licensed to have 350 adult breeders um, at any one time on the property. Wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But just because you have that many, I mean, obviously, you, oh, yeah, yeah. Get, you know, they're not all going to produce every year and you're going to have some attrition and we are always adding to and, and losing some in that in that facility. But when Vladimir got there, you know, I mean, the, he, anything he touched, he could breed. And we, yeah. you know, he was breeding a ton of stuff. And then he also got into um, actually doing what was called, what, you know, you guys call in the hobby designer chondros as well. So we bred locality mm-hmm. specific stuff. And then we started experimenting with crossing, you know, Biox with Aru was one of the very first ones because you get some really incredible, um, you right. can get some really incredible offspring from that. So we started fiddling around with that as well too, and have continued doing that as well. So unfortunately, um, Vladimir passed away. Oh gosh. I want to say probably six years ago now. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, now my partner's son um, is the one running the farm and he's done a great job, but mm-hmm. it was, it was a big deal when, when, uh, when Vladimir started really producing stuff that was substantial. Sure. Wow. What about, uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about some, uh, Sabu pythons. Uh, what, what's your stories with them or. So the Sabu pythons, originally what happened was, um, on one of the shipments that Frank, one of the first shipments that Frank sent me, I want to say in 1993, I've written an article about it before. I think it, it might have come out in Reptiles Magazine or maybe the Vivarium. I can't remember. Well, one of those hobbyist magazines back in the day mm-hmm. um, about my trip there. But what what happened was Frank had sent this shipment with some Maclots pythons. And I was with Louis Porez when the shipment came in. And we unpacked the okay. shipment. And there was this, there was this you know, Maclots python that clearly didn't look like – anything we had ever seen before. And Louis, <laughs> Louis was freaking out. He's like, oh, my God, it had you know, dark colored. It had these bright white eyes. And um, it was really unique looking. And so, you know, of course, I asked Frank right now, I'm like, where did this come from? And he said, oh, my, my supplier in um, Timor said that it, somebody from the right. island of Sabu brought it, you know, when they came over on the boat. And he mm-hmm. bought it from them. 
so we're like, well, you got to get some more. And they're like, well, there's no collectors here. This is just this is just somebody that on came the boat. on the boat that knew there was, there was a snake person over there, and so they brought it. Right. So we quickly put together. I quickly put together a, a trip and said the next time, you know, my next trip to Indonesia was going to go out to Sabu. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at that particular time, Frank was not able to travel with me from Jakarta to Sabu, but we set it up and. I, I flew to Timor to the town of Kupang and connected with our supplier there and mm-hmm. it, who was actually a woman um, and her husband used to be a supplier, but he had passed away. And so she was still going to supply reptiles. So I went with this okay. woman on a ferry boat to the Island of Savu. Now this boat, this boat only, um, only, only went once a week, right? So you go into Timor and then, you get on this ferry boat with a bunch of you know locals, and and the, the ferry boat was going from Kupang to um, I think the island of Sumba, and the guy, the captain said, you know, well we stop in in, in Sabu and and I let you off, and there was like maybe ten of us that got off there, but mm-hmm. we got on this boat and um, proceeded to go through probably one of the worst tropical storms I've ever been in my life on the ocean. And I was, you know, people were vomiting everywhere. And, and it was just a horrific, horrific trip. And we arrive at, at Sabu at like five o'clock in the morning and the, the dock had gotten blown away by the storm. So the captain had to anchor and they brought out these rowboats and rowed us into shore. And he said, look, I'm, I'll be back in a week, wait on the beach and I'll stop and pick you up. Right. I'm like, Mm-hmm. Okay, so we get off there, and at that time, in, in uh, I think it was 1993, there was no electricity on the island. There was no vehicles on the island. There was a policeman there that had a motorcycle. He was the only person on the island that had a vehicle. <laughs> and, wow. And so, we, you know, he, as it is in most places in Indonesia, when you get someplace like that, the first person that's going to find you is going to be the policeman. You know, or the mm-hmm. mayor or the leader of the town or whoever, right? And so um, uh-huh. within, you know, hours of getting there, he, he found me staying at somebody's house and was like, hey, you know, what are you doing? And I said, oh, we're here to look for snakes. And, you know, I mean, I was translating through the woman I was with, and and um, and he offered his motorcycle for us to, to rent. And so, of course, we rented it. And, <laughs> and uh <laughs> Awesome. And drove all around the uh, – so every day I would get up and we would drive around the island, which, you know, didn't take long. But there was no roads. You were just driving on these dirt trails. And then we would stop in these town, little villages and, you know, try to describe the snake. You know, I'd taken pictures of this one snake and we said, look, we're looking for this snake. And every place we went, they, you know, they had some great story about the snake. You know, there was like – you know, and I'd ask them to draw a picture. And one time – these people in this village drew a picture of the snake and, and it was like this snake that had the head of a devil on it. You know, it had like horns, <laughs> like a beard and like all this crazy stuff. And I, you know, and of course when you're sitting there, you don't want to laugh at them or you don't want to make, you know, but that was like, Oh yeah, there's a snake sure. everywhere here and you can't catch it. If you put it in a bag, it gets out every time. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, please try and catch it. If you catch it, let me know right away. You know, we'll come and we'll come and get it, you know? So right. that went on for like a week, a solid week. No snake. Went out every night, went around the, the island on the motorcycle. And people described two snakes. So there's only two snakes here. There's a black one 
and then there's a small red one, right? Which I think later right. on, looking back, was the babies of the Saab right. were red, and, okay. and the adults were not, right? And so right. um, yeah. we never, we didn't get, didn't get, a, spent a whole week there, not a snake, nothing, right? And so wow. I'm really bummed out, I'm really dejected, but it's time for me to go because the, the ferry boat's coming back. So sure. I got all my stuff packed up, but, but we put out the word, and we're hopeful that maybe somebody will will bring some back. And also at that point, we're not really sure that snake is, is even, that there's even a snake there. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. the locals talk about it, but we're right. not sure it's even the same snake because we haven't seen anything. Right. right. So I go to wait for the ferry boat and it never shows up. I sit on the beach all day long. <laughs> no boat. Right. <laughs> so the people are watching me sit on the, on the, on the beach, you know, and, and then, you know, they, like, the people I was, the family I was staying with were like, Oh, you just come back and stay in the house. And, so went out that night again, looked around for snakes and nothing, right? So the next day I go to the beach and I'm waiting and there's at that time there's no cell phones. There's no you just, there's nothing you can do, right? There's no communication. Right. You just wait. And uh, so I'm waiting there and this woman comes up and she's talking to us and she's talking to my friend in Indonesian and, and the lady says to me, she goes, oh, she goes, the last time there was an American here, the boat didn't come for two weeks. She goes, he was stuck here for two weeks. You know, it uh, doesn't come. It's not very regular, you know. And I'm like, uh-huh. well, what can you do, right? So every day, so the boat didn't come again that day. So that night, the second night that we were stuck there, we went out, and somebody in one of the other villages found a sabu python. And they came running to the house at, in the middle of the night and said, look, we have one, we have one. And, and sure enough, it was a sabu python. But had I not missed that boat or had that right. boat not come yeah. back, we wouldn't have wow. been on that trip. Yeah, That's so and then ultimately the boat came the very next day, and he, the captain just said, oh, we had trouble in, in Sumba and had to get it repaired or whatever. And, and so that was the start of it. And um, very quickly after that, you know, we, you know, we, we opened up Sabu and started getting animals. That's cool. So, That's awesome. Yeah. So the fish were there. You just, it's just the chance of finding them or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's like anywhere. It's like you go to West Texas. I can't tell you how many – Times I've been in West Texas and not found an alternative. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, it's just the luck of the draw, right? You can look in the habitat, you can look in the area, but if the weather's not right, if the season's not right, I mean, who knows? You know, but what? But I will right. say we did we did get a better idea of where they were living on the island towards the end, and um, we probably weren't looking in the right places to begin with, but we just didn't know, you know. Right. Well, it's very dry there, right? Is that correct? Yeah, it's very dry, very arid. Um, you know, there's some palm trees and stuff, but there's not, there's no primary rainforest there. It's just a very arid island, with, and it's very um, volcanic. So there's lava, like lava stones and lava fields all over it. And the farmers and the people that are doing agriculture there build these walls out of lava stones. And that's mm-hmm. where the pythons are living, is in those walls. Wow. Interesting. That's pretty That's cool. Different. Yeah. Yeah. What are the lo- a great place? What are the locals like? Are they like super excited when they find a snake or a reptile and they're bringing it to you? Or are they? Is is everybody that um, excited about it? Or in Sabu or in general? Just in general. Well, it really it really depends, you know, because um, in Sabu they were excited and they were always excited to talk to you about reptiles and everything and. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first places that I visited in the early, like in 91, 
was Meroki. And we went to Meroki because we felt like we would we would definitely find some new stuff, um, and we would also find stuff that was more like top end Australian stuff, which we did. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, when we went to Meroki, the people there um, were interested in collecting snakes, and mm-hmm. some of them, you know, you know, told us they had experience doing it and all this. But um, <laughs> on one of the first my first trips there to Meroki. We found some, um, you know, we were finding the Taliqua skinkoides, right? The blue tongue skink. Right, right, and right. So, you know, I collected the first one myself and brought it back. And every at the end of every day, we would all kind of come together in these towns. And the people that we were t- talking to to try and get us to catch stuff, they would come and they'd bring us whatever they caught, you know. With, and th- believe me, they'd bring stuff that wasn't even reptiles. They brought me a tree kangaroo one time, <laughs> you know, they <laughs> – animals that you didn't even ask for right and so you'd have to like you would have to buy it and then we would turn it loose be like okay look i'm gonna buy it this one time but don't bring me any more of these because i don't want any tree kangaroos you know and so (laughs) they were enthusiastic in in the sense that they were out there and wanting to catch stuff and wanting to do it but you know when i brought the first blue tongue skink back and i reached into the bag and took it out the natives just freaked out and thought it and you know were like it's venomous it's poisonous you know you're gonna you know it's deadly poisonous and i'm holding it and they're running away from me and and frank is telling me he's doing all the all the communicating he's saying they they're they're saying that it's it's deadly poisonous and you're gonna you're gonna die and i'm like no it's not you know it won't won't harm you at all right so i let the so i i i i let the list like i kind of you know fiddle with it a bit until it bit me and and just to show them right i want to show them like look it's fine right. nothing's gonna happen well then it bit me and nothing happened and they thought i had like some special power no, no. <laughs> they didn't think that it was not poisonous they thought i was the one with the special power so you know stuff like that we would come up against it would take a little while to overcome it but now clearly they all know that the blue tongue skinks are fine because we get them right. you know i mean this is Check now it. that's what 20 yeah. years ago when we first started that right you know, but at the same time we come back with a with a tie pan in a in a rice bag that was barely <laughs> tied up you know and i'm like how did you even get that snake in the bag you know so yeah it was it was you know crazy time so it depended on where we were as to how enthusiastic people were and how hard it was to get people to collect stuff but generally, when we went someplace new, um, you know, when we went to Tannenbar, the first time I went to Tannenbar and found the amethystines from there, found the, the blue tongue skinks from there, um, there mm-hmm. was nobody collecting reptiles there. But, you know, because at that time, the economy in Indonesia was really, you know, poor, extremely poor. Um, mm-hmm. Collecting reptiles quickly became a way for them to make money. Um, and so... Most of the time, it was not too hard to find a handful of people to start collecting for you. Right. So, yeah, I mean, okay. that's sort of what we did. And cool. you know, I went to many, many, many places, you know, all over there. You know, all the, the dwarf thing, things. right? That... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that Sawu, right, they were probably more open to it because they didn't actually have a venomous snake. So there, there's no question of confusing, you know, harmless species with venomous species and that sort of stuff. Whereas in Maroki, 
you know, there's plenty of Thai fans, as you say, and stuff that <laughs> you can't just go willy-nilly grabbing stuff. <laughs> yeah, in, in Maroki, everything was, I mean, there was more venomous than not. But I would tell you, in Sabu, they they thought the snakes there were, there was, they thought they were evil, they thought they were possessed, <laughs> they thought all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, until, until you know, you actually, you know, showed them. So there's a lot right. of folklore going on in those outer areas. I mean, those the people that live in those islands, I mean, in Sabu, they didn't even spoke Indonesian, some of them, but they had their own mm. dialect, which wasn't right. in Indonesian. Right. So, you, you know, there's a lot of kind of history like that in these places in Indonesia where um, their folklore is much more um, prominent than anything I could ever tell them. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. Uh <clears throat> Well, since we are Morelia Python Radio, I would be curious to hear, like, if you have any stories about bringing in the first IJs. Uh, what was that like? So the IJ you carpet have to python. The carpet yeah, python. The carpet python. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. So the first carpet python that we got, um, and that I brought in. Um, so I was bringing my shipment through LA, right? Which I right. still do. All my shipments come through LAX. So at the time, the wildlife inspector, I was bringing in stuff that they had never seen before and that they did not know occurred in Indonesia. And so <laughs> I was having a lot of issues with them trying to seize my shipments, and they thought I was smuggling animals from Australia. Oh, no. And <laughs> right. So the first, the first shipment of carpets that came in um, is exactly what happened, you know, is that I, even though I had gotten the permits from the government, um, the wildlife inspectors in LA did not know carpet pythons coming from Indonesia. And so, you know, there was, there was a really cool inspector there, honestly, that I worked with. And he said, well, I got to seize these because we don't know that they come from there. And I'm like, well, they do. I caught them, you know, I've been there. Like, <laughs> I was there. <laughs> you know? And so there was a lot of dialogue early in the day, you know, about stuff because they didn't believe Talicoskinkoides occurred in, in Indonesia. They only knew of Gigas, and they didn't know that the um, Indonesian water python, the Fuscus, occurred yeah. there, and they didn't know. So we worked through it all, but, you know, early on when I brought those carpet pythons in, I mean, people had not, they hadn't seen carpet pythons from anywhere but Australia. So it was a big right. deal. Jesus. Wow. That's cool. Where did you, what kind of like environment were they in? Like dry the environment? Or... Sort of outside Maroki, yeah, they're right? more, yeah, they're Maroki's. If you stepped out of the plane in Maroki and stepped mm-hmm. out of the plane in Darwin, Australia, they look the same. They okay. look essentially the same. Cool. There's big, big termite mounds everywhere. There's kangaroos or wallabies hopping around. There's cassowary birds. There's, um, you know, Panoptes, the Goulds Monitor, there's frilled lizards. There's, it, it's almost identical to what you would find in the top end of Australia. And the habitat looks the same. You know, okay. you have death adders, you have the taipans, you have the king brown snakes, the sudanajas. I mean, wow. all the fauna that's in Maroki is almost exactly, you know, what you would find in the top end of Australia. Which okay. is why it was so interesting for us to go there early on because you know, we knew nobody had before. Before I went there, nobody right. was getting reptiles there. Even the exporters mm-hmm. that were exporting out of Jakarta, they were only mm-hmm. exporting blood pythons and retics and stuff that was common and easy to get around Jakarta. 
You know, mm-hmm. nobody nobody had gone out to these places that I was going. And so another sidebar to that whole thing was that after the first about two or three years in, it, it, the other exporters there, the one one exporter in particular, every time I would they would find out I was in Indonesia, they would send somebody to tell me. <laughs> so they would be like, "Well, where's where's he going now? What's he gonna find now?" You know, because I would I found the sabi pythons, and so I had to jump on them by, you know, a year before they could figure out where I was getting them from, and so. Ah. <laughs> So it was, um, you know, it became very competitive, and they didn't want to go to these places, but but they'd send somebody to follow me. Well, where's he going? What's he going to find now? You know, so mm-hmm. uh, Oroki was a good place because it, it, it there was a ton of stuff from there. That's awesome. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, you know, well, you just said that. Why, um, you know, if you want to get into it, why did the Maroki Condros take so long relative to the other stuff? I mean, I remember when, I mean, heck, it's just over a decade ago, right, 12, 14 years ago that, you you know, we started seeing those, and it was, so maybe it was just the adult animals didn't, didn't do as well or whatever, but I remember, man, the excitement about those Maroki Condros, you know, in 04 or 05 was just, just crazy because it was like basically having Cape York. Yeah. So to be honest with you, the Marokis were one of the very first that we got, um, but we only had a handful of animals. And so for whatever reason, I can't really, I can't really remember a lot. There was a big gap where we weren't getting them. And maybe it was because mm-hmm. we were focusing okay. on other chondros, but I can tell you that from that first group of chondros that we got from Maroki is I sold some of those animals to the Barkers at VPI. They turned, <laughs> raised them, the sold them, and they produced the first albino. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Which is right. they, two generations they, later through Damon and all that stuff. Yeah. Right. Sure. That's where those came from was that those animals that I brought in um, mm-hmm. produced that albino. But then, you know, there That's was a big awesome. gap for a while there, and, and um, a lot of it had to do with um, infrastructure and transportation. Sometimes, you know, you could be in an area where you're getting animals on a regular basis, and there's good infrastructure, meaning there's flights back and forth to Jakarta, and, right. you know, the wildlife department in that particular region is, is, is working with you, because you can't just go and collect animals in, in Meroki and ship them back to Jakarta. You have to go through the wildlife department in Meroki. You have to go through the local police. There's all these steps you have to go through. And right. those people change office constantly. And so you, things change constantly. And so, you know, one year you might have been able to get animals from one place, like no problem at all. And then the next year, maybe you can't. And so right. it, it could have been a, that could have been part of the problem with Meroki's because we did focus on them and we did have some good production early on. And then, uh, and then when I think when Frank left to go to Australia and we were shifting the farm to his new, to the new, you know, my new partner over there, um, we were having to build a whole new farm again. And so that may have been, may have been some of the reason behind the Marokis then. I mean, right now, that makes total sense. Yeah, right. Right now, our production Marokis this last year was was almost nothing. I mean, I don't think we produced any, and it, it was because a lot of the animals that we have have gotten really old, and we're raising right. up new stuff, but we can't get any new stuff from the wild. 
There's the getting stuff from Meroki out of Meroki right now has become very difficult because of transportation. So Mm. it's not hard to find the animals when you're there. It's getting them from there back to Jakarta. So, and that changes year to year, you know, like the bar. Sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that. Yeah. Yeah. When we were in first, Open Tanabar up. Ah, oh, no problem. I was getting Tanabar scrubs and blue tongue skinks. No problem. And then they stopped all the flights from Ambon to Tanabar. There was no plan, right? So our only option was to put them on a boat. Well, the boat from Tanabar right. to Jakarta, you know, takes about 12 days, you know, oh. and, and so, you know, it wasn't a good option sure. for live animals. And not only that, you know, sometimes the captain Except of the boat once a week or whatever. on the boat. Pardon? Yeah. Right. And it's coming so, once a week, know, if that, or whatever. Sure. Right. So that has yeah. a lot to do with it. Yeah. Like right now, Tanabar scrubs are hard to come by, you know, for mm-hmm. me. And But it's it's not because they're right. rare in the wild <laughs> at all. Because <laughs> right. people can't get them. Right. The logistics of it. Yeah, sure. That makes yeah. sense. Um, the next thing, and I remember this being, this was even, you know, before my time or whatever, but I remember you were the first that, as far as I know, with Lanthanotis, and I know it's kind of exploded recently, but, you know, you had those first ones, and they went to a zoo. I I have thought of what that was, but I'm not going to say. But um, you brought those first ones in. Do you want to talk? We got were when I was, when Frank was doing the business, and so had to be probably 92, maybe, and we had been going to Borneo um, to look for, I mean, we got those wagglers and new stuff out of Borneo that people hadn't seen. And of course we were always asking about um, Lanthanotis, but never got any. We didn't really know where to look. We didn't really um, have any, any insight to it, but then out of the blue, our supplier in Borneo sent us one. And of course we're right away. We, you know, we, paid him handsomely for it. And we, you know, tried to find as much information. Where did you get it? And he said that they dug it up. Somebody dug it up when they were building an outhouse. Now, I don't know if it's true or not true. You know, we don't really know. I mean, they're a very fossorial animal. I think the ones that have been collected lately are, have been collected in streams. Um, And I think that's probably an easier way to find them. But so we got the first one, and at that time, they were not protected in Indonesia. There was no – they were not CITES, and, and so we were able to ship it back legally. And then very quickly after the first one, we got another one, and it was found when they were building a road in, through the jungle, like they had were clearing some land. And that was all we knew. It was during the rainy season, and so we think we, you know, just, you know, suspect that um, – you know, the rains had flushed them out and, okay. and, right. and that's how we got them. And then we, we never were able to get another one. I mean, for 20 years, 20 years we tried right. and then ultimately, you know, they went appendix two and, and then Indonesia protected them. And so, yeah, I can't really Jesus. comment on the ones that are floating around the market now, but sure. they didn't come from me. Even, <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Right. And even then, you know, the, the couple that you had, you know, it's like, you're saving them from a death, you know, associated with development and stuff. So, you right. know, it's the whole thing. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, nobody really knew how to care for them, I think. And and we don't know how long the people had them before we got them and were able to ship them. Right. There's, I think, you know, in hindsight, um, 
we, I would have done something different with those animals than where they ended up. You know, they, they did go to a zoo, but I think, I, I think there could have been a better home for them than this particular zoo. So, mm. sure. But yeah. Cool. What about, uh, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about, yeah. um, uh, Banca, uh, blood pythons. So Banca is a beautiful Island off the coast of Sumatra. And, and, um, when I was first, one of the, you know, other first trips was, um, you know, back in the day, people would get blood pythons in, but they were usually only got big, mean blood pythons. And sometimes they were pretty and sometimes they weren't. But at one point when I was there, um, I was traveling around to, to different skinners and mm-hmm. looking at what they had coming in. And at one point in southern, I was at a place in southern Sumatra, and this guy was getting these bags of a bank of bloods that were just like consistently really pretty and really red. And, um, so that kind of led me to, to follow that and go to Banca Island. And, and, and I would just say that the Banca bloods are, are just consistently really pretty red bloods. Um, mm-hmm. other than that, I don't think there are anything really, you know, y- unique other than they are prettier than, than your typical mainland Sumatra red bloods. But, you know, it was early on. And so I was, I was chasing blood pie. I mean, I found the first black blood that we brought into the U S and I brought those in. And I think Dave Barker flipped out. He couldn't believe there was blood pythons that were black. <laughs> oh, and, and, um, there was a lot well, of, those were the, the big silver ones, right? The silver and black. Yeah. yeah so the silver and black ones, right. So the, the silver and black ones come from South Sumatra. And so mm-hmm. it was that one place when I was visiting a skin dealer there, um, which is not easy to get entree into because they're very suspicious of anybody coming in and seeing their operation because they, you know, they, they get railroaded by these PETA people and stuff because nobody likes the skin trade. And, um, mm-hmm. but ultimately I, they had grown to trust me. And so I was getting entree into all these great skinners good in the sense that they got a volume of snakes that came through there that I could look at. And so it was at this one place in South Sumatra. I'm like, Oh my God, all these, <laughs> all these blood pythons are black and gray and silver or whatever. And, and so that's, that's how that, that's how we came up with that, you know, and I started shipping those back and that was a huge deal. Um, nice. And that was again in the early nineties. And then the ones with the yellow heads come from more, more near the town of Medan. They're more up, um, they're along the mountains. They're not out in the palm plantations or more in the foothills, but of, of that ridge of mountains that goes down the center of Sumatra. But um, they're a smaller python. They're a black blood with a yellow head, but they're a smaller one. They don't get big like the black ones from the south do. Gotcha. So have you dis- like have you actually found a ton of animals through the Skinners and like say the meat markets? Like, have you had continued success that way? So I would tell you that I would say 99% of mm-hmm. any albino blood, ivory blood, golden eye blood, um, Lake Toba blood, um, any unusual morph of blood python has all come from the skin trade. And I oh. went, when I went there in the, the, the mid nineties, and I was, so I was chasing all these blood pythons and I was going around and, and when, once I figured out that I could get entree into the, the skin dealers, I mean, I would go and I would sit with these guys and, mm-hmm. and literally in a day's time, 
they would have 200 adult blood pythons come through there in season, not, not year-round, but in season. Right. They would have 200 adult blood pythons come in, and they, these collectors would bring a bag of five or six, they'd dump them out on the floor, and then the skin guy would measure them and pay him for each one, right? And I've been looking at them. I'm like, okay, wait, don't kill that one. Don't kill that one. You know, and, you know so it was, it was early on one of those where I became very friendly with one of these particular skin dealers who, who has come, you know, I've, we've become very close and very good friends. And he, he, I said to him, I said, look, if you get anything that's unusual or this or that, you know, when I try to describe him, you know, all the different things. Right. So mm-hmm. within right. like a month, you know, he comes up with the first T negative albino blood. Oh my God. It was a God. huge deal. Right. And, and the, and this is like, literally 95 96 so yeah we made a good business arrangement me him and my partner there and the snake came to the u.s i sold it to vpi and you know the rest is history the first ivories came from him the golden eyes came from him everything has come from him and wow he was very well connected and so yeah that's how that started and and so at the same time while I was there and I'm watching them kill these snakes and, and skin them, there was these blood pythons that were in, when they're in season, the females would all be grabbing. And mm-hmm. so right. I, I saw and they just throw the eggs away, right? They take the gallbladder, yeah. they take the skin, they take all these other parts of the eggs, they just throw them away. So I said, you know, look, we, we can figure out how to set these up and, and you can get more money for all these babies than mm-hmm. you're going to get for the skin of the snake. So, Right. We put together this, and he's out in the, he's in a, a town that's about seven hours south of Medan, and a little, it's not a village, but it's not a big city. Mm-hmm. So that we had limited okay. resources there. So what we decided to do was we take these um, plastic bottle crates or milk bottle crates or soda bottle crates, and we would put the snake in there and let her lay her eggs. And, and we would put a top on it and wire the top shut with a water dish, right? Sure. So the blood mm-hmm. python would lay mm-hmm. her eggs in there, and she, she'd just incubate them, right? I mean, she's going to incubate them in the wild, or sure. she's going to incubate them in there. <clears throat> so the first year we did this, because he could tell, tell a female with eggs right away. He could just hold the snake up right. and say, oh, this, this one has eggs, this one has eggs. I mean, he knew his snakes. So the first year, I think he hatched something like 400 babies. And I'm like, sweet. You know, nobody in the U.S. had ever seen baby blood come in. You know, I was right. getting these baby red bloods, and nobody could figure out where I was getting them from. The other other exporters in Jakarta couldn't figure it out. They didn't know what was going on. And he was really loyal to me, this guy. So I was taking all the babies that he was producing or, you know, getting from right. these females. And then the next year we had like 3,000, you know. And so, right. you know, again, he was – we were sending those babies in and, and, um, and then he would take the females because at the end of the, once the females would be two months around those eggs, their skin, right. they'd lose body weight and stuff. So the skin wasn't going to be good. So he, they would, they would release those females back into the oil pump. Awesome. Okay. And I would buy all the babies from him. Right? right. So that's how that started. And, and now of course, you know, now as anything is in Indonesia, it's, it's not a secret anymore. And there's many, all those right. skin people are doing that now. So that's why you see so many baby red bloods available on the market, you know, and we did it with, with, with Rutix as well. 
that's awesome. And well, both those species, right, are ones that are amenable to development. I know the bloods, you know, the palm yeah. oil plantation. It's actually better habitat than it is before it's altered, right? So yeah. that they're actually yeah. those populations are booming. Yep. That's yeah, awesome. the blood pythons or ticks and the water monitors all benefited from oil palm plantations. Yeah. Wow. Cool. So the the next thing we wanted to ask you was just you started you were the first guy bringing in the dwarf or tick stuff, and I I know the Winslow Murdoch uh, Coyote stuff came from you, right? And those were the first that really blew everyone's mind. You know, Jampia those can still get to be big snakes, especially if you overfeed them. But those coyotes were tiny snakes. Yeah. So the 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 Jampia the, honestly the Jampias were the first dwarf or tick that we came across that we brought in. And that came about because our supplier in Sulawesi sent us um, one or two, something like that. And they looked, you know, of course, we didn't know what size they got, but they looked different, right? right? They have a very pastel-y pattern and looked really different. And so we we inquired with him and said, you know, what's the story? Where did these come from? He said, oh, they come from this island of Jampea. But you you can only get there by you know um, boat right. But the boat that goes there is like a, what they call a dow. It's like an old wooden boat that doesn't go very fast. <laughs> and so um, on one of my trips early on, I said, well, we got to go to Japan see what we can find. So I went there, and the boat ride was like I don't know, probably twenty. It was like an overnight day and a day and a night, and. You know, the island was pristine, and there's, you know, they probably had never had, or a long time had never had a visitor from another country there, and people were super friendly, and <laughs> and uh, you know, I just started talking to them about these pythons, and and very quickly they they started bringing them, and and but all of them were like, you know, five six feet, you know, okay. there was probably nothing over over six feet, maybe seven feet that I can remember. And they were also bringing me ones that were grabbing, you know, and I'm like, wait oh, nice. this snake wow. six feet, it's grabbing, you know? Mm. So we started bringing them back and, and, and then the Jampeas led to all, if you look where Jampea is, bodies right there. Um, I think another Island called Madu. I can't remember now. I have to look, right. but so sure. bird spread. So the first ones were Jampea. Well, the people from Kiowati were like, wait a minute, these guys on Jampea are selling these snakes and we have the same snakes here. You know, so they mm-hmm. actually started approach. They they approached our supplier in Sulawesi and were like, "Hey, we have these snakes." And so we started getting them from I think three different places. There was Jampeas, there was Kaiwati, and then um, I want to say Madu, but it's been a long time. Yeah, that's so like, right. Yeah, yeah. I have to go back and look. But never ever did I get a snake from any of those islands that was over that was over two meters. And I would say that's probably a big, a big snake, but plenty of them were gravid at five and six feet. And so, you know, yeah. And then, and you're right. I mean, people can take those animals in captivity, hatch them out and raise them up to 11, 12 feet, but they're eating in captivity, not like they would be eating in the wild and they're not behaving like they would in the wild. And so I don't think you can, you can compare those two things at all. You know, and I saw, Believe me, I saw probably hundreds um, overall yeah. that came off that island, and none of them were ever bigger than six, seven feet. Yeah, that's wow. awesome. and Sam, too, <laughs> I mean, compared to, I mean, they're like big pink snakes or something. I'm sorry? 
they're and thin too, you know, like big king snakes. Yeah. Not you know, people, yeah. you know, not like blood python thing. Yeah. Yeah, they're not a heavy yeah, bodied awesome. snake at all. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. Um that was it was really cool. I know you mentioned some but, monitors before, but uh can you kinda give us a little bit of a background on some of the tree monitors you worked with or brought in? You know, the so I would have to say that um on the tree monitors uh, the, like the blue trees and the, the yellow trees, the Ricingeri, I didn't have a hand in finding those first animals. Those were found okay. by another, another exporter in Jakarta's collectors. Um, we work with them. We, we breed the blues, the greens, and the yellows at the farm. We work with them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if you go to Irian Jaya, the green tree monitor is probably the most common monitor you're going to see. I mean, they're everywhere. They're not, <laughs> you know, so, um, <laughs> And when when you go to Waigio, the blue tree is somewhat similar. They live in, in primary forest, so you need to get to a place that has primary forest, um, mm-hmm. but they're not hard to find. Um, but but I didn't have a hand in actually in, in actually discovering um, the blues or the green or the yellows. Okay. How about the Molinas? I know you uh, you started those guys, right? Yeah, the Molinas, the Molinas, I was the first one to bring them in, um, and we got those from our supplier when we were, not when we were in Halmahera, but once we came back, we were talking to him, and he said, hey, you know, we've got these monitors from um, the Sula Archipelago that are really different. Well, he didn't know they were really different. He said, well, we want to send them to you. So he sent them to us, and I'm like, wow, you know, I mean, the first ones that we got were adults. We didn't get babies, and the adults right, were like, right. you know, unbelievably yellow and beautiful right. and so again i brought those into the u.s and you know at the time i was giving him you know all that stuff to dave barker and he had somebody that he was working with at one of the universities there and they were describing this stuff the it's interesting because the molinas came in at the same time we were doing the uonawai and i'd given them both to him and he was describing them you know and much like dave does i mean he was he was had submitted his description to a peer-reviewed academic journal, which is the way to do it, right? I mean, that's right. how you want to describe sure. a new species. Right, yeah. And so you want to know why I have been described. And, but what happened was this ger- a German guy named Wolfgang Boma, who everybody, I'm sure, right. into monitors knows, yeah. got wind of the yellow monitor of the Molinas, uh, and mm-hmm. we had it submitted to the Smithsonian, or I should say Dave had it, or the paper submitted, to the Smithsonian to be named, and Wolfgang Boma wrote an article and published it in a hobbyist magazine in Germany. And so mm-hmm. once that happens, that kills it. Unless, oh, his, right. unless his science was not good enough, then right. we could have challenged it, but his, he had all our information. He knew everything. It was my mistake because I had run into him when I was in Prague for the World Congress of Herpetology. And I was mm-hmm. excited to meet, you know, Wolfgang because he was a monitor sure. guy. And yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, and of course I spilled the beans. I'm like, oh, you should see this monitor. And we were describing this and we're describing that. And so next thing I know, he like totally scooped us. And, um, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. That was that, you know. I mean, it's it's an awesome monitor. It's it's cool. But I, but I, yes, I brought the very first ones into the Western world. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. Maybe you can tell us uh, some stories about Boland's python. Any any cool stories there? 
You know, I, there's probably better people in the industry nowadays that can tell you stories hmm. about Bowling than me. I can tell you that, um, I, you know, I was definitely bringing him in early on. Um, I spent mm-hmm. weeks up in the Highlands with um, with the Danny people and, and you know, sourcing Bowling's pythons in the early 90s. Um, I don't have any really um, fantastic, great Bowling stories other than spending a lot of time with the, with the indigenous people up there who are really cool and really interesting folks. You know, okay. I would say that um, I had the opportunity – you know, I was bringing in adults back in the 90s when um, wow. there was a quota for them out of Indonesia. We were allowed to export the adults, the wild-caught ones. And there was one year where we had gotten um, four females that were gravid. And so I hatched in this one year, I think it was 97 and 98, I hatched something like 38 babies. Wow. And so that, that was a big deal at the time because the mm-hmm. people that had done before that was um, Tracy and Dave had hatched a clutch of them from a gravid female they got right. in. So, so that was a big deal. But we still, we work with them at the farm. We, we do produce them. You know, we've, this year we produced two clutches. Last year we didn't produce any or the year, maybe last year we did, but the year before, we, you know, it's sort of hit or miss with them. We don't have the volume of animals like we do with the green tree pythons, but we are working mm-hmm. with them and we, we, have, we have pretty regular success. But we have them set up in situ, you know, have them set up it's in situ in Jakarta. So it's not the same as being in the Highlands, but they seem to have adapted and do well there. So okay. it hasn't been completely impossible for us at all. Cool. cool. That's awesome. Another uh, really choice Indo critter. I know you, I, <laughs> I got one from you. Um, do you do anything with crocodile monitors at this point? Yeah, we're breeding crocodile monitors. We have a really nice group set up over there, and we are producing them. And, and um, yeah, they're one of my favorite animals, but, you know, they're probably one of the most dangerous monitors you can work yeah. with. Yeah. And it's crazy because I see all these people on YouTube and rare reptile <laughs> classifying up, kissing them and throwing them around over the shoulder. Oh, and, you don't, you know, you can ask this. Tom Crutchfield about it. Yeah. He has some animals. Right. And he had a, a very bad accident with one, you know, a couple of months ago. And I've had a bad, almost everybody it's that's worked with croc yeah. monitors have had a bad accident with them. So, wow. you know, yeah. I, I love the species. They're an awesome animal, but they're not a pet. You know, they're, mm. they're yeah. you know, they're a wild animal, you know. Right. So, but I love them. I mean, they're great. Totally. You know, and, and they they also there's a little variation of on them from locality to locality. The ones from Maroki are really different compared to the ones from um, Sarong and Jayapura. Really, the ones from Maroki are. That's, I didn't know more they were on subtle. both sides. Yeah. Yeah, they're yep, they're on okay. both sides. Which is well, so when I say they're from Maroki, they're actually not from that area. But if you if you if you went from Maroki due north until you hit the <laughs> rainforest. So probably mm-hmm. eight or ten hours north of there, and once you get into the forest, that's where they're from. Gotcha. Okay. Is that the case with all the stuff that we see that says Maroki? Sometimes it's – I know everyone gets, whether it's condors or whatever it is, everyone gets all fussy about this locale stuff, saying, oh, is it real? what does that mean? Maroki's a town, blah, blah, well, blah. Is that yeah. – you know how – you know more better than anyone how that goes. So in general, it means that most of the time, it means that's where they got shipped out of. 
But right. and, and like okay. for, for Meroki chondro pythons, and I still call them chondro pythons, so forgive me. But <laughs> no, we're with Meroki, good company. They, yeah, they yeah. come <laughs> from the same area that the croc monitors would. They would come from that rainforest, right? They wouldn't come from around Meroki where you're finding, you know, right. all the the scrubs call them that because that's where we ship them out of. Same with Jayapura. The Jayapura animals, you know, there's stuff that comes from nearby Jayapura, and then there's stuff that comes from, you know, Cyclops Mountain and, and, and areas that are around there. But, you know, it's it's like a general area. Aru, mm-hmm. the animals that come from Aru could come from, you know, our breeding stock probably comes from six or seven different islands there. But we can't right. get into the specifics of that because there's there's really not that much variation there in Aru, but so, yeah, you, you have to just sort of generalize it from the area. Sure. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so I know you talked about earlier with, like, difficulties getting some stuff, just, like, physically getting it to, I guess, to ship out where you needed it. Um, yeah. Is that kind of affecting some of the markets of what you can bring in? Also, is it kind of based on what's popular as well? Because, I mean, we don't really see any Duns pythons stuff like that, uh, New Guinea water pythons or Biox scrubs? Yeah, so um, a lot, it can have to do with a lot of different things. Like for the Duns mm-hmm. pythons, for example, um, it's completely infrastructure. That python is not rare in the wild. <laughs> very easy to find, very common. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, uh. but, but getting it here is another story. And getting it, just getting it to Jakarta to be able mm. to export it, you know, is another story. There's just no infrastructure in order to get the, the, those animals from from that, you know, from the island to back to Jakarta. Now, having said that, it, mm. back in the day when I was younger, you know, big business like I do now, I would have gone there. I suspect that there's there's a lot of good collectors set up there anymore. You know, at mm. one time there was collectors yeah. all through that area. I'm sure there's nobody there that's even thinking about catching snakes, but there's also nobody spending any time to go there. So if one of you guys wants to take a trip and go to Indonesia, oh, done. Go, out, go out there, you know, it wouldn't be hard for you to, to find that snake. I don't think that's my take on it. The New Guinea water python or the, you know, the fuscus that come from Meroki, I'll tell you exactly what happened with that. Nobody mm-hmm. wanted them. When I was first bringing them in, nobody wanted them. Oh, they bite. They're not that pretty. And, you know, people have the Australian ones. And so nobody wants. And right. so uh, we we stopped bringing them in. And then, um, so what happens in Indonesia when they have a quota for something, let's say they have a quota for water pythons of a of 100 a year, for example. And that right. year, only, tw- only 20 of them get exported by all the combined exporters, right? Well, then the government goes, oh, sure. well, you didn't export very many. We'll just make a quote of 50 now. Oh, and then maybe the next year, yeah, they only exported 10. And then they'll say, well, then let's make the quota only 20. And so ultimately, I don't even know if there's a quota form anymore. I would have to ask because there was just no, there was no interest for so many years that it just kind of dwindled away on that wow. particular species. Yeah. I want to say there's a low one for the fuscus, but it's not like maybe it's 45 total or something like that. I think. Yeah, I'd have to go look. I could look. I think there's probably still a quota as well, but um, but the is- that's the issue is that nobody there was just no interest. 
and so they wow. weren't collecting wow. them. Yeah. So I mean, it happened like that. The it BX happened. Grubs? Um, the BX grubs are different in the sense that the collectors in Beox, um they don't like that snake because they say it bites. <laughs> and I'm like, well, the Beox chondros bite, you know, right? Come on, yeah. most sure. So, so most of the collectors there just don't want to touch them at all. So it's only by happenstance that we get one. They're also right. not a, a rare snake. Little They're not a common. Yeah. They just don't want to, they just, and, and that's part of the problem in, in these places is that it really takes somebody to go there to show the people to get them to do it. And I just don't have that time anymore. Yeah. Like I used to. Right. Crap, dude. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, yeah. have you also kind of seen where like things, because you stop bringing stuff in, they kind of become like, rare and then people just are almost knocking down your door to try to get them from you like i don't know viper boas and scrubs because they're not here or they're not available now all of a sudden everybody wants them and then you have to go yeah, back absolutely. and re- redo it <laughs> yeah that's exactly what's happened with the with the viper boas and the amethystines i mean you know the amethystines i mean i used to get if i wanted 10 moluccan amethystines i could get 10 moluccan amethystines in a shipment or 20 or same mm-hmm. with the Viper Boas. You know, Viper Boas used to be a really tough sell. They'd ship them to me. I'd be like, oh, no, more Viper Boas. <laughs> <you know." laughs> so, yeah, and nobody wanted them. And now I can't keep them in stock, you know, and I can't. Jesus. I also can't get very many. And I, it's so it, it has ebbed and flowed like that. I'll tell you exactly the same thing happened with Maclots pythons. You know, yes. I mean, Maclots pythons, you don't see any come from Rody anymore. You don't see them come from Flores. You don't see them anymore at all, you know, mm-hmm. because at one point yeah. they came in and people were like, oh, it's just an ugly Maclots python. No, no interest at all. So, you know, and, 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 and the price of a Maclots was the same as the price of a the Alberts or, or something else. And so it wasn't like, wasn't like I could, I could really get it cheaper. It was just, right. you know, right. people have to, get, have to get so much for their snake. It's just there was no interest. Yeah. Yeah, and then now, but now there is. Gone, if I, I mean, can get we, we hear pythons. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Look how that would be, you know, crazy. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. man. <laughs> and all, all, honestly, all it would take is all it would take is me to go there again. You know, but I just don't. I just can't do that in my life right now. You know, I'm mean, gonna have Eric go to go to Indonesia for Cam and just do what he tells you to. Okay, <laughs> done. Get this shit working. God, done. <laughs> just geez. yeah, you got a couple live ones on the line here, Cam. You know? <laughs> I'm trying to now, get the trip together now. <laughs> I'm looking up. You, you, you pick an island. You go there. You'll find something new. No, oh, it's Honestly, awesome. <laughs> that's wow. That's so badass. Oh. That's awesome. Go ahead, Dad. Um, yeah, so I wanted to hop into the um, Asian Rex snake stuff, the stuff he did with Klaus, bringing in the first Rinchofis, Corporation, Sarcha Lapabella, all that stuff. Yeah, so when I, back when I was a hobbyist in um, – you know, I was doing all turn. I also had a real keen interest in um, Asian rat snakes, Chinese rat snakes specifically. And so, you know, as a hobbyist, I kind of was looking, you know, I'd read the literature, I'd find whatever I could about Asian rat snakes. And this guy's name kept popping up all the time was Klaus Dieterschultz. 
And so at some point I reached out to him and we developed a friendship and um, traveled to Germany and, and visited with him. And he had, he had gone and collected um, Asian rat snakes in China and Nepal and different places. And we just became friends and um, he was breeding stuff that nobody else was breeding yet. And he would send a, he would send the babies over to me and, and I was either keeping them or, well, most of the time I was keeping them at that point in my life. So I also had a keen interest in, in um, Asian rat snakes. And so once the business, once Bushmaster started to go with the Indonesian stuff, you know, I was keen to travel to other places. And, mm-hmm. you know, certainly China was, was high on the list. So I think my first trip to China was also in the early 90s. And, and um, I had a supplier out of Hong Kong that I had become friendly with and and so I had told him what I wanted to do and, you know, wanted to go and look for, you know, at the time, you know, Mollendorfi and, and Mandarina would, you could right. bring wild caught with them and they would all die. You know, like 90% would yeah. die. You know, they just, the, the suppliers would just go to the food market and buy them out of a basket and, and, and ship them to you. But the snakes were already, yeah. you know, oh, more yeah. stressed than you and can imagine yeah. and, and just really didn't stand a chance of making it, you know, so so again, I decided, okay, well, let's just go and, and buy, you know, find somebody to collect them for us. Well, in China, that was not easy. It was easy to find people that collected snakes, but nobody wanted to just collect snakes to keep them as pets. They thought I was crazy. You know, they thought, you know, why, why would people want to do that? You know, we just eat them here. And so it was very frustrating early on. I mean, the first trip I went to China, I spent about five weeks in southern China going through all the way up to Sichuan and Hunan and you know, trying right. to get people to collect snakes like I much like I did in Indonesia. Well, it didn't work there because they um, they view reptiles differently than yeah, yeah it's food for them. And so, so to make a long story short, um, what I figured out later was okay, let's go to this big market where they all come in, which is where SARS started, by the way, that disease. And <laughs> right. <laughs> wild animal market where you would go and buses would arrive every day from, you know, from outlying um, provinces and they would just drop sackfuls of snakes off the top of the bus. So these snakes not only were like 40 or 50 in a bag, (laughs) but they'd be riding on the top of a bus for like four days. Oh Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. So it was like, you know, a crapshoot for that they would ever live. What I did was, and this was also very difficult, but the very first year I went, um, at the, they didn't like white people or, or foreigners walking around this food market because generally that meant that somebody was, you know, taking pictures of the dogs and the cats and all the, all the animals they were eating and, and exposing them for, you know, cruel things and this and that. So it took a little while for them to gain my trust, but after the first year, so I went there thinking, okay, I'm going to go there in June and I'm going to look for all the snakes that are gravid and I'm going to buy the gravid snakes and then get them back. And hopefully they'll be strong enough to lay eggs. Mm -hmm. I'll hatch the baby and then I'll have babies that we can, we can start, you know, to raise up to breed. (coughs) So um, the first year I had some success, then year after year, I kept going back, you know, um, in, right around June, end of May, beginning of June. And, you know, I was getting gravid Mollendorfi and Mandarina. And, mm-hmm. You know, I was finding, right. you know, I mean, Zemiops and all kinds of rare stuff. And so 
Um, sure. That's kind of how that started. And, and um, so then it got to the point where then they all knew me at the market. And so they were super mm-hmm. happy when I'd come and, and, you know, would, would put stuff aside for me. And, and um, yeah, I mean, a lot of interesting stuff came out of that. I mean, a lot of interesting stuff, albinos and weird color morphs. And, and then in the, well, that first pattern was Mullendorfi, right? Yep. The first pattern was Mullendorfi, albinos we got from there. You know, I got the very first Mang Shen Vipers, those big Vipers that came right. came out of China. I was the first one to bring those into the country and, and introduce them to Europe. You know, the first time we saw one of those, I couldn't believe it. I mean, that was only described in, in 1990-something, and there's a Viper that's like yeah. seven feet long, you know. And, right. and, uh, oh, my gosh. It was, yeah, it was staggering. I mean, China's like not a, you know, it's a pretty populated country. You'd think somebody would have saw that before, you know. And I'm sure they did. They just didn't describe it until, you know, in the nineties. But, um, so that was, that went really well for many, many years. Um, but then unfortunately, you know, because the consumption trade is so bad there and the volume of animals they eat there is, is, um, you know, staggering. I mean, yeah. There was a lot of pressure from Europe and the U.S. and lots of other countries to stop the trade in in live animals out of China, and so mm-hmm. so it's not that easy for me to bring shipments out of China anymore. I mean, it's hard for me to get anything out of China anymore, and all the turtles have been protected, you know, from export, even though they still eat them there, you know. So right, oh, gosh. you know, it's yeah, there's it's few and far between when I get shipments from China anymore. Yeah, I mean, I remember very fondly that that first Rinkofa shipment you got in, I think it was early spring, 05, something like that. I brought all bought all those first three shipments or whatever it was. And, I mean, yep. I still have descendants of those snakes and stuff. And that was, I think, the first wild-caught Rinkofas that we'd ever seen in the U.S., you know? Yeah. It yep. No, it was a dozen or fifteen. Before or that, Klaus had had them. You know, Klaus had brought in some, right. brought some back, I think, or I'm not even sure where he got his. But that's where the, I mean, the very first Rinchofas I ever got came out of Germany from Klaus. But the very first wild caught ones right. we ever got came out of China in yeah, probably '05 or whatever you said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love I love that country as far as um, the diversity of their herpetofauna as well. It's just um, a sad state of affairs because they have literally eaten all their turtles to, you know, extinction. I mean, there's, you know, turtles that we used to get. Right. In the bloody sternum and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Spangler eye, big head turtles, all those things. You can't, you just can't get them anymore. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Um, okay. Um, yeah, are there any interesting stories out of the African stuff that you have? I know, you know, there was a time, and maybe it still happens with Tanzania stock, um, and I don't, I don't remember where that was coming from or, or whatever. But um, yeah, I anything to Yeah, I traveled to Tanzania early on as well um, when I was traveling around, and there's a a reptile guy over there, um, which some of the old timers will remember. His name's Joe Baraducci, and he, um, so I was connected with him again in the nineties and traveled over there and, 
um, you know, when, we're always looking for something new or something different, right? Because the exporters that generally are set up in these countries just export the same stuff all the time. They don't know or think about going anywhere different. And so on one of my first trips over there, and this was um, at the urging of Louis Porras, um, was to go to the Usambara Mountains and look for this little viper there, this um, bush viper, this horned bush viper, right. and the Ceratophora, Thera Ceratophora. And so on my first trip over there, we spent um, three weeks in the Usambara Mountains, and not only did we find the vipers, but we also found um, a chameleon, a three-horned chameleon, Deramensis, which had not ever come into the U.S. before either. And so, you know, it was pretty fruitful. I mean, it was pretty interesting. It's it doesn't have the same place in my heart as Asia does. Um, I've been to Tanzania, you know, maybe three times, I think now, but I didn't really ever focus on it. I mean, it was something interesting and and fun to do, but I really spent most of my focus on Asia, Southeast Asia. I mean, I traveled to Guyana. I've traveled to Suriname. Um, You know, I do bring shipments in from those countries. I have good suppliers there and, but you're sort of limited in those countries by their quota and also by, you know, like Central or South America, I mean, there's lots of great venomous stuff there. Well, the people don't want to collect venomous snakes, you know, and, and right. so sure. you're just not getting a lot of the cool stuff that comes out of there, really. If it's not one of the identified normal things, then it's just... Exactly, yep. I mean, there's so many cool colubrids that come from, from those areas, right. and they don't even catch them. You know, they only want to catch Krebos and Spilotes and maybe Asustis if you're lucky, <laughs> you know, but... Otherwise, yeah. you know, they, you know, they wouldn't touch an oxybellus or, you know, things like that. I mean, so, yeah, it's kind of frustrating. And I, un, again, you know, I don't have the time in my life like I used to when I was younger and didn't have a business and didn't have kids and all this other stuff that, I, you know, and I, I would just be like, oh, well, I'll just go there and find it, <laughs> you know, which was awesome. Right. And I did it, but I, I can't do that now. Yeah. Yeah. Reasonable enough. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's just you and me at this point. Um, no, no, I'm here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm here. Of course. (laughs) You want to go with the next one? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, do you keep any reptiles aside from your business at this point? You know, I don't, well, that's not true. So I keep two pair of gray banded kings and that's it. (laughs) And they were originally my, they were originally my son's. And, you know, when he was little and that was, you know, he was all excited about him and he kind of outgrew that, but they're really, really nice snakes. And so I've kept them myself and I breed them every year and it's just these two pair and, and, um, they actually aren't even in my house. <laughs> they're in my warehouse, but, okay. um, but you know, but I do, I do keep them and I do enjoy them. So my girlfriend has snakes, you know, or she's had, well, she's had different reptiles. She's had a red tail boa gotten her some different tortoises and so we we do have some sort of in the peripheral family so to speak cool but that's it yeah. nothing nothing really in my house if you walked into my house you wouldn't see any reptiles what's your personal <laughs> favorite well that's a that's a pretty tough question <laughs> i know that's a bad one yeah, you know, I would have to say, because I've talked about this over the years, if, you know, when the when the day comes and I'm not importing reptiles anymore and my, my day-to-day life is not making a living with reptiles, what would I keep, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I 
if I didn't have a family around, I would probably keep um, King Cobra or, or Taipans because I think they're super fascinating and super t- intelligent. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're re- if you watch them and, and observe them in captivity, they're just amazing animals, but, you know, also clearly very dangerous. Um, <laughs> and, I've, you know, I've never really, I mean, you know, I've worked with them all, but, but I always thought they were fascinating. Um, I love Boland's pythons. I probably would could see myself keeping Boland's. Um, I love emerald tree boas still. I love a beautiful emerald tree boa to me is I like almost better than I do um, some of the, the condor pythons, you know, and, but I think maybe it's just my per- personal preference. The first snake I ever bred was a emerald tree boa, you know, the first, sorry, the first boa I'd ever bred. I've read gray bands before that. So they have a soft spot, you know, in, in my heart for them. That's cool. What about as far as, is there any trips left on your bucket list, whether you would want to go herping or personal that you'd want to go to? I mean, you've pretty much been everywhere, right? I yeah, mean, I know, right? Yeah. I should have phrased that. Is there well, any left? Are there places left to go? <laughs> Interestingly enough, um, I was just talking to my girlfriend about it yesterday. We we're thinking about going to Croatia, <laughs> but not oh, for cool. reptiles. Yeah. Just a place to go. But you know, I think about it all the time. I mean, um, yeah, there's a ton of awesome places um, still left to explore, you know, and, and uh, I've had some great trips down through Mexico that I would like to revisit again. You know, I mean, Spending time in Durango is a, a beautiful, beautiful part of Mexico, and and the reptiles, the herpetofauna from there is is some of my favorites. So I don't know. I mean, I don't really have, I don't have anything on a bucket list I could say right off the top of my head, you know. But I'm sure I will continue to travel, you know. And and as my kids go off to college and I have more freedom to do that, um, we'll see. I don't know where it'll take me. Cool. That's very cool. So. Um, good, Owen. Were you going to say something? I got, I got, I mean, this has just been freaking awesome. And yeah. if, I mean, if you could, I guess what, what I would, would really want to ask is if you could figure out a trip that you've done, which would be your favorite? I mean, it sounds like you're kind of falling in love with every single place you go, but was there one that stands out? Um, I would say for sure as a country, Indonesia is at the, at, still at the very top of my list, but it's because there's so much diversity there. So if I was to have to pick one place in Indonesia, that would be really tough. Um, but I would say I would probably just go right back to Irian Jaya, you know, because it's still, there's still enough wildlife there. It's still, um, there's still plenty of undeveloped, untouched areas, whereas a lot of Sumatra has been, you know, cut for oil palm plantations and, the, and a lot of Borneo has been logged and stuff. And so there's still awesome places, but um, Indonesia as a whole is, would be at the top of my, of my list, you know, just because you can go to any of those remote small islands and you're going to find something new on every one of them. That's so cool. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Man, this has been uh, just amazing episode. I, I, I geek out on the history stuff, and just oh, yeah. hearing it firsthand is just like, wow, my mind is blown. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. Yeah, so, it's pretty. It, 
it blows me away when I talk about it myself, you know, because I think back <laughs> on all this crap. <laughs> I don't remember it all. But. Oh, crap. Right. I did that. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the, so, cool. I mean, I don't know. Do you want to put any kind of info out there for yourself before you drop off or like your you got website? Good. I think everybody knows me. I don't even have a yeah. website anymore. Oh, okay. No. All right. Yeah. Great, it's oh, gone. That's, right? That's awesome. It's gone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, yeah, I mean, it's been a pleasure. It's fun talking about it. I like it. I hope everybody enjoyed it. I don't know who your audience is exactly, but hopefully everybody liked it. Oh, then we're getting amazing. Uh, you know, this has been the episode that everybody's been waiting for for a long time. And just the feedback we're getting through our chats and stuff, people are, they're loving it. And so thanks yeah, for coming sure. on. Thank I appreciate you very it. much. Yeah, dude, yeah. this has been amazing. No problem. So, All right. Yeah. Well, you guys are welcome. And, and uh, I enjoyed it as well. Okay. Thanks, man. Awesome. Have a good night. Thanks, we'll let Cameron. you go now. Okay, sounds good. We'll catch you later. All right. Thanks. I don't know, man. I don't know what else to say. I mean, I'm speechless. Um, <laughs> I think I think what you're telling everything now is that once again, it, Rob Stone is one more peg to move uh, moving up to replacing <laughs> Owen permanently, because that's another oh, good show brought on by Rob Stone. So. uh I concede at this point. Just take me, you know. Just, you know. <laughs> it's, it's oh, over. You still don't. You still don't understand. There's a certain dynamic with me and you that uh, Damn cannot it, I'm be trying replaced. to get fired here. All right, come on. Like, I know it sounds like it, man. I, I want my time. I know, man. <laughs> She's like, I don't want to quit. So maybe if I do but I stupid fired. shit, I'll get fired. So if, if I keep calling them IJs, will he eventually just snap? Never. So. <laughs> Damn it. Um, no, I don't think that's going to do it, man. No. Anyways, but this, that was that was awesome. And I totally geek out on that kind of stuff because I can just kind of imagine what Herp the Culture was like before somebody like Cam stepped in and then where it was afterwards. I mean, to having – like we would not have this animal, this animal, this animal, this animal, uh, all those wonderful <laughs> – Blood morphs would be very pretty belts, and it's like you know all this other kind of <laughs> yeah, crap. Right? And it's it's astonishing. And I want to, and I, and I would think that certain people in the reptile community don't give people like him enough credit because now they can go and get this thing, and it's like, oh, it's just a this. Well, dude, he had to go on three planes and a canoe and got abandoned on an island for a week and a half. Before he could get you a Sevu Python, like that's, I think is yeah. where this is really awesome. I th- yeah, I think it's uh, you know I talk about perspective a lot, and um, you know, the stuff we take for granted today, yeah. and 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 where we are, and herpticulture, and you know, people actually had to go to these islands and you know, wait for a <laughs> boat for a couple of weeks, and you know, yeah, I don't know. But I would love to do that. I would. Love Love to do Hell that. Yeah. Oh my god, dude! I wouldn't even I got be people mad. Messaging me, uh, <laughs> I got like three different people messaging me about taking trips to Indonesia. Man. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. God, I will sell my kidney. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? Want it. <laughs> and you know, and the fact that like you know you hear like I guess when you talk from the hobby point of view, like you take something like Dunn's pythons where, you know, we have this it's image gone. in our head that these things are super rare and like hard to find. And, 
Hmm. He's like, nah, they're there. Just somebody's got to go and get them. <laughs> and, and then, and we've what? talked about this in the show a few times where it's like, I understand that you have 32 court racks that line your entire facility and you keep a certain types of just this one type of thing. But would it kill mm-hmm. you to have something else just to kind of keep it, just kind of produce it? I mean, it, it it's, yeah, I would hate to see somebody who's really good at producing or has a breeding pair of insert python here get rid of it so that they could stick something else in there just because. It's like it, – because then we lose it. And, you know, apparently it, it's just like that the, these quotas and stuff like that, they can just be gone. And it's hard to get these things now, and it's not worth it to go grab these things. And certain people who might want it now can't. And – That's one of the reasons why I jumped on the whole, uh, you know, getting some uh, captive hatched wild caught um, IJs because you you don't know, man. That might be closed in a couple years from now, you know. Why do you think I'm jumping on the Madagascar stuff so hard? Because I know it's only going to take one government change for them to shut that down. So I want all three types of Madagascan giant hogs. And then I'm Mm. leave me alone. I don't, I don't care if it takes eons for me to reproduce them. <laughs> They're mine. So, you know, that's it. That's going to be his claim to fame species, You're man. You're goddamn Coastal, right it is. <laughs> coastals are bye-bye, oh, man. I'm going to get rid of them quick. <laughs> Real quick. If a coastal tricolor hognose snake, then I'm I don't have, want it. <laughs> I'm going to have ruffies. I'm going to have hognose. Um, and people are going to leave me alone because I have all these dirt brown ugly snakes until y'all want them later. So, yeah. Hognose radio. That's not a bad idea, man. Madagascar <laughs> is always on and off, for sure. I'll have the roughies so I can still plug in. It's fine. Jeez. Okay. Nah. Nice. Yeah, it's right. good stuff, man. That was a that was a great episode. Um, man, I'm sure we're gonna there's go get more Let's stories. Go, let's go get Dunai. Let's you, me, and Rob get backpacks and go find my Dunai. <laughs> <laughs> that could be next year's trip, man. We can You're go goddamn right. It could be. It's the mission uh, to get Owen his final his his final check mark on the Lyasis. No, so, man. You still got no, we're one. Not doing this. We'll never be able to get. <laughs> yeah, the Baron I. I don't want to talk about it. Baron I. But those just look like olivaceous. So I, exactly. I don't know if I count that one. They're just really big kangaroo eating olives, so it's okay. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't make it like that anyway. Don't worry about it. I mean, yeah. I'll just I'll just get an olive here and feed it until excess, and then we'll just call it that. It's fine. Uh, good you times, know. man. Good times. Yeah, whatever. But dear God, dude, uh, that's that's great. Cool stuff. I mean, you imagine being there, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna cut this blood python's head off." And you're like, "Wait, it's like, it's like, it's like pure white, dude. Please, no, it's like that." You're <laughs> <laughs> killed six off. Oh, God, give it to me. Like, that's that's got to be crazy. So, and that's just yeah, great. Man. Good stuff. So, I don't know. I I, I, well, I don't I mean, know what else to say. I don't know about you guys, but it's like uh, I know that we used to talk about how certain people like uh, the keepers now in especially in the real community are like almost like a little bit spoiled. They have a book. They have, you know, forums. They have another book. They have all this other stuff where it's like oh, none of this crap was around in my day. I had Morelia and that was it. 
And I'm like, well, Jesus, Cram, Cam just came on and pretty much checked that one for me because it's like, oh, in my day, we didn't even have these things. I had to go get them. It's like, oh, well, shit. <laughs> All right. So it, it's just really cool. And uh, I love these kind of episodes. I wish we could do more. It's like when we have Ari come on and he talks about like nearly dying on a mountain in a hut. And I'm like, that's so cool. And, it's, <laughs> you know, it's like that. <laughs> so. Not at the moment, but yeah. Not at the moment. I mean, you know, I'm glad you made it, but it's like. <laughs> but yeah. Cool stuff. What did you yeah, think, Yeah, I'm Rob? really. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not looking great, forward man. to the episode it's... that you guys do when you come back from Australia. Like, and I have to interview you guys of how great your <laughs> trip was in Australia. Oh, and how dude, much fun you on, had. Man. I don't want to do it. Uh, <laughs> someone else. Hey man, it. it's so open. You just need to sell some snakes. You know, you'll have Stop some it. stuff. Sure, you'll pay more for the ticket, but you know, you can still come in. It's all right. Uh, Chad Gray just uh, texted me. He says that he's coming with us with a backpack to come get the Dunai too. So apparently now I have formed an expedition. It's the whole thing. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like Game this. of Thrones. <laughs> we got the Hobbit. We got the. Uh, He's like the Viking dude with the long man? beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're good to go, man. Hey, Rob could be like the wizard it. dude because he knows everything yeah. about reptiles. I don't know it's what you perfect. I guess you would be like my hobbit partner, Owen. <laughs> stop that. You stop. <laughs> and on that note, it's time for us to end, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, good stuff. Good stuff, man. So, um, yeah, man. I, I I'm I seriously I, I've never been at a loss for words for this show, but I bring carpet I pythons in a box, so you know, I, yeah, I don't know what say, man. yeah, it's I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, jeez, <sighs> it's just an uh, right. awesome perspective. Yeah, I guess just yeah, uh, I don't... run it run it down and see what's up. I mean, I don't know what else we want to do here. <laughs> yeah, I know we were supposedly supposed to have somebody else on, but I don't see anybody in the queue, Rob. Nobody's over there. Yeah, no, I'm not seeing it. So, you know, it's just the usual Condro guys. No, Condro guys. <laughs> Ouch. I love, love for the Condro guys. Savage right. burn, man. I just mostly appreciate Right. I mostly appreciate Owen's verb. He wants to go to India, but he doesn't want to do the easy thing to Australia. I like it. Of course not. Of course not. I want to be like, you know, I want to be dying. When is Owen ever easy? (laughs) Thank you. Like, I want to have that moment where, like, you guys have to carry me back to civilization because I got bit by some sort of viper. You know, let's do that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I. Or what not. Just unidentified species the locals are all running from. Oh, let me grab it. That'll be Let good. me grab it, yeah. You guys will just make sure after I'm gone, it's named the Owens Viper. That's all I want. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> Eric, snap out of it. we gotta, we got to close out the show. So. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm sorry. Um, like I said, a Stop lot of people are messaging. People. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. I, it's I need like I'm a, overwhelmed. Uh, I think I'm going to get my wife to like sit during the show and just answer questions. Just <laughs> 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 sit here and answer these questions. She, you know, but you, she'll know what I'll think. <laughs> you know, 
Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess you might agree to some stuff you're not ready for. <laughs> That's a dachshund-related answer, yes. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. It, only dachshund questions, please. You know. Christ. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to – I um, like I, I, we were talking at the beginning, um, I guess – oh, man um, – my website is still jacked up. Um, I, I don't know what the hell's going on with it, but uh, I guess I'm going to have to call him tomorrow and bust some balls uh, to get this yeah. uh, straight. Now, in the meantime, over on my Facebook page, there's a link. Uh, you can find it there um, and check it out. Uh, I'll share it again just so everybody has it, but uh, I, it's too long to say. <laughs> it's, too, it's like one of them weird, like, you know, like uh, – let me see if I can pull Instead it up. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, W. Oh, I'm not, why am I even saying www? It's not like 1996. <laughs> Holy shit, man! Get it together, bro. <laughs> Colin. Jesus. Flash flash. You focus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, take one week off and all shit falls apart. Um, I know. It's like you forgot how to do this. <laughs> yeah. EBN.homesteadcloud.com. That's my uh, current email address, and uh, you can see uh, what I got going on. Um, oh, wait. Hold on a second. We got to hold the phone here because Mr. Scott uh, has two books coming out Eat here. Yeah, dude. Dangerous Creatures great. from Australia. Which is uh, all of them. Um, in my opinion, but yeah, and uh, frogs of Australia. That's pretty cool. That's so cool. I always wanted one of those frogs. What kind of frogs are they? I'm not really into frogs, but I always wanted it was a green tree with a yellow belly. (laughs) Rob, what frog is that? Give me that frog. (laughs) You don't see it in the chat. Come on, man. Right, Scott. It's some Latoria, I would assume, but yeah, I don't know which one that is. I don't think it's a Latoria or something. Oh, okay. So you guys are all <laughs> yeah. laughing like you're freaking frog experts, but you don't know what it is. I don't know. I've never claimed to be a frog expert. It's like, you know, I know poison dart frogs. I know. Frog How did that happen? Jeez, just man. Just because we laugh at this guy doesn't mean that we're ready to give it yeah, an answer. Yeah, no, 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 no. You were just dumb enough to open your mouth. That's why you get laughed at. So, you know. Oh my God, Owen! When are you gonna buy a new phone? You're just breaking up all the time. Every I don't. Time I'm, not on, on phone. Phone. I'm <laughs> not on my phone. I'm not Your on my phone. Your punchlines are are getting ruined, man. <laughs> I know they're doing. It's um, fantastic. Uh, but uh, okay, uh, let's see. We got uh, our website is still up and running. MoreliaPythonRadio.com. That didn't crash uh and if you want to get in touch with us yes if you want to get in touch with us it's info at morelia python radio i do uh you know i always love to share podcasts right i do have (laughs) i don't have my list together owen it's not because i didn't do the outline rob did the outline but uh, rob (laughs) you know here's another thing yeah and i left all your stuff off i said you guys with the freaking jabs about not feeding snakes and all this other shit i'll have you know (laughs) owen how many clutches of carpet pythons did i get this year bro many Uh, (laughs) and how many did you get Uh, okay not that Uh, many Oh, so, you know, when you want to bust balls about, you know, oh, he doesn't feed his snakes. No, no. 
<laughs> no, no, you're right. I shouldn't. Well, we know Eric either. with the high end snakes and the low end uh, enclosures, and Owen with and the, Owen with the oh, I'm going to stop enclosures and the low shitty <laughs> snake. Yeah. Oh, uh, there was another bust that you guys ripped on me for. Oh, the, you know this whole idea I that I'm this Rob. like that I'm this like evil guy sitting at a desk being like, you know, no, Tackling. it's not good enough. Go back to the, <laughs> to the to the office and produce another. You know, you guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm this evil genius of Morelia by the radio. I have half the people of the world convinced you're three feet tall, so I don't know why you're all of a sudden surprised <laughs> yeah. that I'm changing the narrative here. So That's like, another thing I have to bring up. You know, it was funny. You had that tank, and you posted it up, and those people <laughs> put Eric in there. So I was like, well, I'm gonna get these guys. I'm gonna muscle <laughs> <on> you. <laughs> so I put like the naturalistic Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's better to turn into the skit. It always is. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I agree. Um, all right. Uh, anyway, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to this podcast real quick. Uh, it is called the Herpticulture Podcast, and um, nice. Uh, those guys they talk about they talk a lot of Morelia, um, which is cool, um, and uh, you know. Uh, They've hit, I think they've had like maybe six episodes or so far, but, uh, you know, it's just two guys. It's kind of, it kind of reminds me of like when me and you just have a show, Owen. It's kind of oh, like that kind of feel. Days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me and you, no pressure, you know, like, <laughs> like we had tonight, you know. Um, None. Yeah. Is a three, uh, uh no, just you, Rob. No, we're just closing you, it out, you, dude. No. You just no. Me I, I missed his window. It's over now. <laughs> <laughs> he I had his chance. No, neither one. No. 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 It's just no. It's Morelia Python Radio host, Owen, <laughs> and Rob. That's the only people on uh, the, on the board. Okay. <laughs> yeah, only three people. You know, it was weird. What's weird? I don't know. Maybe there's something going on with the board because usually mm. the whole thing is lit up. And I thought for sure I knew a lot of people were listening live. But well, uh, I may have yeah. filled up the slots with all the times I kept dropping off and calling back in. So like, you were there could on be twice. like, I'm like, no, I can't take two Owens. I can only take one. <laughs> Owens. I, I got to no. get rid of one of these Owens. One of them's got to go. The, this is the nightmare scenario. <laughs> oh, but. Uh, <laughs> Twin Owens? Oh, no. No, 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 no. Oh, God. <laughs> Even Rob's jumping out of his seat on that one. Holy shit. It's okay. It's all um, right. There's only one of them. Here. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what was I saying? So, yeah, those guys, check out that podcast. Uh, it's always cool to have uh, some more podcasts going uh, reptile-related. Uh, it's almost to the point, I was telling Rob this the other day, where I'm starting to delete the non-reptile related podcast because sometimes there would be too much of a gap between. So, you mm-hmm. know, you start listening to other podcasts and, you know, and, uh, it's politics. And so it basically, it comes down to Joe Rogan and reptiles is, is where I'm at. <laughs> and, uh, that's it. It's a good, good, happy spot to be. Um, so uh, what else? And then we talked about my, I put up uh, a, I keep forgetting, Owen, that we've been doing mm. this for so long, and carpet pythons are kind of like second nature to us at this point, like because we've yes. talked to pretty much everybody that breeds carpets in the U.S. at this point, and right. a lot of people from around the world. Um, but 
you know, I get a lot of people asking about like, you know, carpet complex and that kind of stuff. So I did a YouTube video and, uh, it was actually kind of cool, but what I found that was really funny mm. and it made me feel, feel good, uh, was that one of the, I can't remember who it was. Um, but they said, I'm really mad at you right now because you promised to put up the Owen episode number two. Yeah. And you put up, you know, as much as I like this episode, I want Owen episode number two. So you do have fans mm. out there, Owen. So I'm going to get that oh, going. There's, there's uh, one. That's one. <laughs> so cool. I got one. Well, and I know I asked you to repost the whole Owen initial scrub python with Blake, but you didn't do that either. So because uh, Rob, because Eric likes me because we that episode doesn't exist. <laughs> Stop bringing it up. <laughs> Awesome. Well, it's only funny because you now love them. That's the thing. Or at least Chris loves them. I don't love them. I don't know, man. Some things. Last week, you were a little... I could see your interest was spiked. I know it's not Madagascan hognose, but I could tell. I could feel the vibe that you were like... Not Asian rat snakes. You know, if we had Chinese uh, king rats, I'd... Oh, God. But... That's one question. It's it's coming forward. Hmm. Oh man, we went through this. They're called oh, yeah, we goddesses. Did. That's their I know, but I want them. Name. It doesn't matter. I still I want know. them. Well, that's what I'm saying. No, no, no. I'm I'm encouraging it. I mean, that's right. a pod of its own going yeah. forward. Yeah, I just got to get. I got to check off the hog first. I got to get the speckled hogs, and then I'm done. Oh. Then I'll. So here's the question. Wander off somewhere else. Yes. Here's the question I'm going to pose to both of you uh, before we jump off. Um, but 2018 to 2019, what are you going to add to the collection? Uh, for me, yeah, um, speckled hogs and then probably another colubrid project because I'm pretty much done on pythons. I got everybody I want now. Of course, that could change if, like, somebody calls and says, hey, i got to clutch a Dunai, then I'm screwed. Um, and, <laughs> but other than that, dude, I think I'm pretty good. So do you have an idea what the other Colubrid project would be? Or... What I just said, the Chinese kings, king rat. Oh, king rat, okay. Yeah, they're cool. Oh. Um, if not them, um, maybe black pines. Hmm. but I'm you know, kind of trying to figure out what's going on with them and all that fun stuff. But it's like, I have two open bins in my Colubrid room, I guess the side room. And it's like, I could fill them up with two more corn snakes or you can go get something else different. And that's kind of what I want to do. So like we'll Kribos or something. What about those? Nah, I don't think I don't have the room for Kribo. I wouldn't really, I, I wouldn't be okay putting Kribo in like a 41 quart bin unless it oh, was like no. tiny. Yeah, so, and I don't want to give up a four-footer. You know, my retic is already in a three-foot cage because I don't have anything for her to go into outside the room yet. So it's mm-hmm. like she's technically taken up a slot that could be used for breeding. So, you know, kind of got to figure out who goes where. So, What about you, Rob? I don't know, man. That's That's always an interesting question. You know, I don't have any plans on the in the immediate future to see uh, see what comes. The Alafe David I, um, 
that I know Stan and Matt have going on are certainly certainly cool. I mean, that's something that wasn't even a thing, you know, going back 10 years or whatever. Um, the Arch Laugh at Bella are the same way. and um, So maybe something like that, I guess. But I'm pretty happy with what I have. You know, these Australis are really fun. Cool. All right. Those are other things that Owen might become interested in. He'll, he'll go down the Google rabbit hole. I mean, I'm surprised he doesn't have four voracious at this point. They're really cool, you know, and there's a whole handful of different things to do. They're a little small for his, for his taste. Well, but. The problem is sometimes Owen doesn't know how to spell the Latin, so he really just waits <laughs> for you to give him the common name. <laughs> and sometimes that oh, takes Lord. forever. And that's what uh, stops him on most of the things. So, you know. Now they're the ones that that uh, Dan from DM Exotic use works with, right? Is that the ones you're talking no, about, Rob? That's the whole. No, that's Patias, right? Patias. Yeah, yeah, that's Patias. So I did get a female for the uh, Patias that Matt and I um, that project we have going on. So maybe that'll be a thing. Maybe oh, and I can make some baby Patias, and then you can have some of those. Um, Yay! You know that's that's <laughs> the project cool, in the works, but uh, yeah, I mean they're. You know, and they're big, you like you'd like that and they're smart. They're like indigos. You know, they remind you of that. You walk in the room and they take a look at you and they say, You're gonna feed me, you're not gonna feed me, that sort of thing. I mean um, you turn so you, like you turned me on to the Mexican Cribo and I wanted to drive to Colorado and be like, <laughs> Why, dude? Because they're gorgeous. Right? You know. What are you doing? Yeah, two grand yeah. a piece. What the hell's wrong with you? It's like, you know, it's and Hey man, you, know, you just back- asked if they were if those if they were available. You didn't say at a price. To, you know, do I have to cut off that, my arm you know, to get one? Yeah, right. So, oh, so I made everything that I wanted this year. So, oh wow, well, <laughs> oh my god! You know why this question came? Cause yeah, okay. <laughs> what we were waiting for? No, okay. Jesus. No, no, no. Um, no, I, I, I added the two things that I wanted already. Um, the so main thing was hypo coastals, which yeah. Dude, Dude, but holy shit! But here's the thing: with you, the Timor pythons and your white lips came out of left field. So, would you consider adding something that comes out of left field if it's a python that's on your list? Uh, duh. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) In point, you know that's. But I got that. There's barely anything left on that list at this point, man. I know he's got like what four species. Yeah, maybe right? maybe twelve. Yeah, so no, twelve. Maybe, See, that's ridiculous. Twelve. So twelve, 12 left. Um, 12, we're not uh, we're not counting species Chandra, that you'll never get, get right? Stuff, right? Right? Yeah, a lot of the stuff. Yeah, a lot of the stuff is not available, or you know, you can't. Then take it off the list. You're never going to get it. Or, well, you know, I mean, there's the there's the real li- there's the real list, and then there's the uh, you know the reality list. You know, there's two different lists, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I mean, we never thought that rough scales would be available, yet you have a bunch. So True, 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 true. <laughs> yeah. So, dude, mm. citrus tiger, caramel tigers. Holy, f- oh, dude, they're freaking incredible. I demand pictures. I posted one up the other oh, day. Oh, I should probably look at that. All right, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know I've spoiled you over the years where I I know. I normally I get the hookup. <laughs> what the hell is up with this? Uh some yeah. bullshit. Oh man, dude, they're insane. Like uh, really crazy. Yeah, really crazy. Um 
And the Red Tigers, um, I was – well, I did get – I don't know what happened with this. I got – so I got two cl- – I guess it's just the three clutches where I had an animal kinked in it. So it made me start mm. to worry about, like, temperatures and stuff. Um, but I guess when you're doing, you know, a, a, you, you start to see those things the more and more, you know, you you hatch out, I guess. I'm just assuming yeah. that's how it goes. Um but I got this red tiger perfectly striped, dude. Perfectly yeah. striped. All, both sides, no no portholes down the side. You know, the side's perfectly striped. Don't you know it has a freaking kink? And you know that one, that yeah. one IJ, uh, Rob, that had the kink in its yeah. neck? Ate fine. Yeah. Um, so. Really? <laughs> Some of them... Some of them that might be a pet I, for somebody, you know. Yeah, I, I had one with a kink spine that I gave away to somebody last year. It just had a dent in it, and I just gave it away as a pet. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, these freaking Cape York carpets, though. Holy shit, man! They're freaking badass too. Um, they're really cool. We can talk about them now. So it's uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, so. I guess we can talk about them now. <laughs> yeah, so. if they get posted. That means they're for your game. Yeah. Yep. As, soon, as soon as I see the big guy post them up, I know it's uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, I enjoy the cloak and dagger, but well, you know what's funny? This is how I did it. I did it kind of mm. weird. Like typically, I'll put what I'm posting up. Right, I post up a picture. I put what it is. Tell a little story. Blah 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 blah. This one, I didn't put nothing. I just posted it up. And the people that you would think that would be like, oh, man, that, that pattern's badass. You know, that's a real cool carpet. You know, and other than that, I think, like, a lot of people probably didn't take second notice to it. They're like, yeah, okay, whatever, carpet python. But as soon as you tell them what yeah, it is, is then everybody's like, yeah. oh, my God. So it's kind of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's, it's almost like it's fake. Well, we've been through yeah. that with Derek Rowdy stuff, too, man. Yeah. Yeah. Same type of thing. I mean, you yeah, got this cool ass looking carpet. The label. On. Yeah, did you see that one that Terrell had that looks like almost like exanic blue? Yeah. Uh, from that yeah. line that he posted up. Holy shit, man! That, that's that's badass snakes. Speaking of which, I have to get the mail that I got from Derek like a year ago. <laughs> Holy shit! I just remembered that. I bought I, it a year I ago. Hate that, I hate that that happens. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. It's good stuff. But, uh, yeah, man, it's been uh, it's been a fun year for me, uh, for sure. And it's only just beginning. And you guys were right. Um, taking care of uh, that many baby snakes. Whew. Sucks. Wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My well, wife Eric, to me. Eric needs a staff. Am I going to see you at any point today? I was like, probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Um, but, uh, good times. And did you see those? Uh, I posted up. I didn't get to talk. Maybe I did get to talk to you about it. But those uh, retics that uh, Garrett yeah. sent me. Yeah, man. Yeah, they yeah. were nice. Yeah. The Saputri. Um, holy shit. Yeah. They're freaking badass looking snakes but uh yeah i don't know that's all i got cool <laughs> all right oh uh, uh, rob why don't you throw out what you want to throw out and then i'll close this out sure man rob stone on facebook um 
highplainchirp.com. You know, that's the stuff. People can reach me if they want to. Cool. Uh, what I got is you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. Uh, the website is being redone. I didn't delete mine. I'm just kind of refurbishing it. So, uh, <laughs> um, when I said uh, loser, I was referring to me, not you, Owen. You, okay, no, all right. Okay. <laughs> um, you can go over there. We got some stuff for sale. Uh, not a lot, actually. Um, I've been contacted by a bunch of people. Uh, recently uh, who have bought snakes. So I actually got a few of them leaving next week. So if there's something you've been eyeing up, don't hesitate because it could be gone uh, pretty soon. Also, I am vending the Oaks Reptile Show on the 14th of July. So I'll be there. Anybody wants to come up, definitely want to talk shop, uh, come hang out at the table. Um, It should be cool. Uh, That's all we have for you guys today. We'll say thank you all for listening, and we're going to catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python radio. Good night.